commercials, no subscriptions, no network, no rules, and at the end of the day, my friends, no comparison. Welcome to another edition of Benal of America, Summer of Strangeness. And I don't know about where you all live, but it, you can feel it. You can feel the summer winding down. Uh, you can smell it in the air. I don't know if anyone else has this experience, but I always, like at this time of year, you can, right about now, this time of the evening, uh, this time of the month, of August, it's like, oh, okay, I can kind of smell that that crisp crispness in the air. Well, that's how it is here in Massachusetts. But we're still enjoying the summer of strangeness. It's still uh, in play. We've got a few more weeks of summer left. Uh, of course, next weekend is uh, Labor Day weekend, and we'll be back for that one, and uh, on and on and on. But tonight, we've got a really fantastic show, I think. I'm uh, really looking forward to this one for a while now. Uh, we set it up a few weeks ago, and I've been... As I said, looking forward to it uh, since then. Our guest tonight is Allison Jornlin. She's been in the paranormal for a really long time. And as I was saying to her before we started the show tonight, uh, I'm, I'm kind of amazed we haven't crossed paths. Uh, I've, I've heard her work mentioned on the show. I think I even I think she's in the Seth Breedlove, one of the Seth Breedlove movies. And uh, I think I saw her in that. Um, but I don't get out as much as I used to, especially with this coronavirus. But... Uh, even then, I don't attend a lot of these events and stuff, uh, So, and I've pulled further and further back from social media. So I feel like I'm getting further and further disconnected, in a sense, from the field, which is part of what we've been doing this summer of strangeness, is talking to people who somehow I haven't talked to yet uh, after all these years. So with all that said, um, as I said, our guest tonight is Allison Jornlin, and she's people probably know her best for her work looking into this Chicago uh, Mothman story, and we're going to get into that right away. And um, and she's she's really, really prolific. That's what I've been uh, amazed by as I've looked at more and more of her stuff. Uh, and I love people like that, uh, the folks who, long-time listeners know that, you know, the Nick Redferns, uh, the people who can kind of speak to all the different fields uh, and, and have an understanding of all the different fields. Uh, those are my favorite folks in, in the field in general. So... She's founded um, a Milwaukee ghost walk company. I believe it was the first one, but we're going to get into that as well. And, um, and she's recently put together, uh, she just launched a new channel showcasing uh, pioneering women in the field of the paranormal. So as I said, she cuts across all these different uh, realms, and we're going to get into all of them here tonight on the program. So Allison Jornlin, thank you very much for coming on with All of America Audio. Oh, thank you so much, Tim. I really appreciate the opportunity. 
So we and always start I'm, out. I'm, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Uh, we always start out with the bio, the background, you know. Uh, yeah. You know, tell us who is Allison Jornlin and how did you get interested in uh, the strange and unusual? Well, I think I was a weird kid. I think a lot of paranormal investigators uh, admit to that. And I just was always fascinated by those eternal questions of, you know, what happens after we die and are we really alone in this plane of existence or are there other intelligences? I mean, so all those ideas, even as a fourth grader, really captivated me. I, I remember, you know, being around nine or 10 and, and just being fascinated and um, reading all the books in the local <laughs> Big Bend library. I grew up in uh, Big Bend, Wisconsin. And uh, yeah, and just uh, diving into the school library as well uh, and reading books on Bigfoot and UFOs and ghosts. And so I've always had an interest in the, the par- paranormal and the Fordian. So I always wanted to do something with that. And, you know, I've been looking into things, you know, by myself for years. But then, you know, back in uh, 2006, I became a teacher, uh, an elementary school teacher, actually. <laughs> Those are the spookiest. you got to watch out for us. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, you know, we wear those big pumpkin sweaters and, you know, terrifying things like that. Uh, but you know, being an elementary teacher afforded me some summer freedom. And so I was like, Oh, I know what I'm going to do with that. I'm going to start a haunted history tour. And I live in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and we didn't have a haunted history tour. We had nothing like that. And I had always uh, been fascinated in ghosts, especially. And this makes me sound much older, but uh, when Halloween (laughs) would run around, uh, roll around in, uh, you know, my household, uh, my mother, who listened to the the big Chicago radio stations, would would always gather uh, me and my little brother around the radio, and we listened uh, to haunted tales of Chicagoland from uh, Richard T. Crow who uh, was an inspiration to me. He, he really started haunted tourism in the United States in 1973, which is the yeah. same year that, you know, the, the London ghost tours began. And oh, wow, so, I didn't know that. So yeah, that really captivated me, you know, this idea that, you know, you could, you could hunt ghosts um, in the present, throughout history, you know, and bring that knowledge to people. And so I decided, well, I'm going to dig up everything I need to do to start a, a Milwaukee tour. And, yeah. um, you know, that's, that's still going on. Now we have two tours. And even beyond that, uh, my, my brother, he lives in Madison, Wisconsin. And I was like, bro, bro, you got to do this. <laughs> you got to start a haunted history tour in Wisconsin's capital. It's a natural. You're interested in this weird stuff, too. So uh, we got together and, you know, I helped him, you know, just get started with it. And then he just like took off and he started the the company American Ghost Walks. And now we have, ooh, it's like 13 walks going on uh, right now um, uh, across the country, including one in that that I most recently wrote for a 
Maui. Uh, so at Lahaina in Maui, we have a ghost walk that, that is even going on now during COVID. Um, and, and hopefully they're, they're experiencing some scares, renewed scares now in Hawaii So uh, with COVID. So hopefully we'll be able to continue taking small groups in Maui, but we'll have to see how that goes. Uh, and we also have yeah. a, a tour in, uh, in San Juan, Puerto Rico. So uh, that that we started uh, just after Christmas uh, this this oh, wow. past year. So so yeah, it's a burgeoning business, and I'm just really excited to be in it. And you know this this idea of of resurrecting stories. I guess that's what it is. Resurrecting yeah. these tales of people that have gone before us. And, and bringing them back into people's minds. I mean, that's what what does it for me in terms of the tours, uh, bringing history back yeah. to people in a meaningful way. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. So All right. That, that's the story. That's the story. All right. I, now, I, you know, oh, I, I should interject, too. Uh, that involves some paranormal investigation as well, because what happened is starting this, uh, haunted history tour in Milwaukee was started providing a weekly forum, at least during the warm months, because it gets quite cold here in Wisconsin. But during the warmer months, people had this weekly forum, you know, to come on the tour and talk about their ghost stories. So what started to happen is I, I began to receive uh, requests from people for paranormal investigation. And I don't do that myself, but there's, there's experts in the Milwaukee area that I rely on. And yeah. whenever someone has a need for a paranormal investigation, you know, I go out with my team of choice, paranormal investigators of Milwaukee and, and we investigate the, the historic location. So that's been a lot of fun for me. And I've gotten to, you know, be a, be a ghostbuster, I guess. I mean, for me, <laughs> for me, being involved in the paranormal field it is really exciting and, and a lifelong dream yeah it's quite the community that's uh that's that's for sure now what what yes. i <laughs> as i as i alluded to when we started the show my my first sort of uh like you first kind of came on my radar through this michigan uh or excuse me chicago mothman i actually was going to ask you is that the same thing as the lake michigan mothman but then i looked at a map and i, I assume it must be because lake michigan's like next to yeah. chicago so I can't yeah, imagine. There's, yeah, the claimants. There's two the mothmen running around over there. Yeah, the claimants in this uh, grab for mothman heritage, you know, keep extending their area. <laughs> now they right, right. I'm, I'm very dubious. Michigan. Yeah, as you as well as you'll hear as we get going into this, I'm very dubious about the whole thing, which is why I'm a big fan of what of your investigation into this case. This is kind of like. Uh, this is. I think I can't be the only one who. This is how you first came to my attention, because um, I had been hearing a lot of this buzz about this Mothman thing, and I kind of rolled my eyes. And I guess I was right to roll my eyes, because you, uh, you know, you kind of put boots on the ground and got to the bottom of this story and really added another dimension to it. And uh, I'm pretty purposely vague here because I don't want to do the story. I don't want to tell your story. So I guess let's start yeah. out with tell people like. I guess t- take us through your your investigation into this, how this whole thing came about. Because, like I said, I yeah. I think my personal experience was I had heard 
I heard like one or two stories, and I'm like, oh, those are kind of interesting. And then all of a sudden it ballooned up to like 50, and I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Okay? There isn't, yeah. There aren't, 50 people have not seen a fucking Mothman like in Chicago. Get, yeah. get out of here. And if you, you know, there's a, there's a point where, you know, you, 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 can, you can have an open mind, but at, at some point you have such an open mind that your brain falls out. So I was, <laughs> when it reached... When it reached 50 people, that's when, that's when I reached down and pilled my brain and put it back in my head and said, okay, hold the phone here. So then, you know, then I heard that, well, about your work, and then it was just kind of like, all right, ee, 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 erase this off the whiteboard. I don't need to deal with this Chicago Mothman thing again. Um, so talk about, talk about how this came about and how you got involved and what you uncovered in your investigation. Well, I never intended to be a debunker or a paranormal muckraker. Right. I really, I really didn't. I mean, I came at it with, uh, with extreme naivete, I guess you would say, because I just was excited that you know I live in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Okay, it's not exactly close to Chicago, but you know it's a two-hour car drive, so you know two hours back and forth, and. I said, well, okay, Allison, if you're really serious about the paranormal, if you're interested in investigation, here's your opportunity. You know, it's, it can't be too far away for somebody who really cares about this. You, you got to get your feet on the ground because, or, you know, getting boots on the ground, as you say. Yeah. I mean, that seemed to me like step number one for paranormal investigation. You got to see the scene <laughs> you know and right, right, so absolutely. I just felt like I just felt like there were a lot of claims being made and nobody was actually doing that so I was like okay well here's my opportunity I can do that I can yes it's true drive back and forth umpteen times between Milwaukee and Chicago for months and months and document <laughs> these sighting locations for YouTube. Now, I don't know how I actually did it, but I did it. I went to all the sites uh, that uh, were reported for 2011. There's a, few, there's a handful there. And then I went to the 55-some sites. Uh, and the reason I say 55-some is because um, there's a map where where these are all located. <laughs> yeah. And the map sometimes changes and things are taken off the map. And so I, I just went to try to get to all of them that were up there in 2017. And, you know, since then, you know, we've, we've lost a handful of them. So let's say about 55 uh, sightings in, in uh, 2017. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to all of them. I just want to get this done, yeah. go to all of them. I'm going to document the scene. I'm going to follow in the footsteps of witnesses, and I'm just going to report what I see there. That's it. But right. I think it's now valuable. Now let, let, not... let me just stop you and backtrack just for people because yeah. uh, we, we kind of want to catch people up in a sense. It's like where the hell oh, – yeah, yeah. I know this, but like where did this come from? How did this start? Um, and what are people reporting seeing? Because if we're, if, if, you know, that way we, we know what you're looking yeah. for when you go to do the investigation. So what? Give me, yeah. give me the background okay. on this, on this case, if you will. So, so the original case, you know, people are probably familiar. Yeah, they know uh, that with one. John yeah, Peel yeah. <laughs> and you know what went on in Point Pleasant from, you know, 1966 to 1967. 
There was also there were also similar sightings in Kent, England. I went there as well uh, for something else for other research. Uh, but I, I went to the sites of the 1963 Mothman since I was already there in Kent. Uh, so uh, what people purport to see is, you know, this this seven, eight feet tall humanoid, uh, dark colored creature with a, a wingspan of of 10 to 12 feet. Now, he's variously, or it, is variously described as having a head, not having a head, sometimes having these prominent red eyes that bore into your soul. And, uh, you know, so it's pretty, like, frightening creature. And I just, you know, I just wanted to get out there and be nibbled on it, nibbled uh, <laughs> on by it, just a little, just a little. And, you know, I would, I would tell my husband, hey, you know, if I don't come back, Make sure, no matter what happens to me, I want you to put on my tombstone that I was eaten by a mothman. <laughs> okay? That's what needs to go on the tombstone. If, if I don't make it back. So, uh, so what happened um, in Chicagoland is uh, the first report in 2017 to come to light was from Oz Park, uh, which is in downtown Chicago. It's a very busy area you know, right on the Gold Coast there. I mean, it's really like the central area of Chicago. And, you know, I'm from Milwaukee, and, you know, I know Chicago, but uh, for many of these sighting locations, uh, what was reported was implausible just because when I was there, you know, umpteen times at all times of day and night, I was constantly trampled by people. So what is more mysterious to me is if it was really, really uh, showing up in that populated an area, you know, like a, a yeah. we're talking about 9 million people in, in the metropolitan area there. Um, so if it was really showing up uh, in, in those spots that, that have been named uh, in downtown Chicago, why, why didn't more people report it? I mean, why, right, why don't exactly. we have more photos uh, of this because it's not small and it's huge and imposing. So um, as, as I began to go to the scenes of um, these reports, that, that became more prominent in my, in my mind. At first I was just like, I want to find a monster. <laughs> and yeah, it sounds yeah. like a fun summer project. And so I'm, I'm going to do this. And but, but then as I started to document these locations for youtube.com slash Mothman, you can go there right now and look at my videos. And the idea right. of that was to, to open this up and to say, hey, people, here it is. You've, you've heard about these reports, you know, in various media, because even NPR covered it. They didn't cover me, but they covered the wild claims. And right. um, you, you know, you can go for yourself and take a look at these locations and and see uh see what you think make up your own mind as to the veracity of these sightings uh and as you said the other thing that seemed peculiar to me was that uh there were so many sightings you know so uh the first one was April 7th 2017 I believe that was the first one to come to light but then then there were um sightings that uh began to be posted about 
um, even before that, going all the way back to uh, February of, of 2017. And then there were there were like three reports from 2011 that uh, had been reported a long time ago. Uh, but right. in 2017, I couldn't understand the proliferation of all of these reports. Uh, and what was really troubling for me, Tim, was as I visited more and more scenes, I started to see these discrepancies. There were inconsistencies between the accounts and the location. Uh, and when supposedly employees uh, at the sighting location, you know, should have had some knowledge, you know, I never yeah. found anybody that was like, oh, yeah, I heard about that. Uh, there was. Well, I should <laughs> let me just back up on that. There was uh, one that was pretty funny uh, to me because okay, so it, it's in Little Village, which is a, just a, a vibrant neighborhood uh, in Chicago, uh, and it's a, a vibrant Mexican neighborhood. And just it's I had never been there before, so I was glad to you know have an opportunity to check out some of these sites just so I could. See what cool things they had there because I don't usually like explore Chicago for any other reason. Yeah. So uh, right. one of the sighting locations was um, was Petrosky Park, and uh, that was October 29th, 2017, and it was um, it's right in Little Village. It's a community. There's a little community center right there. Uh, community center has a parking lot. Apparently. Um, the, the Friday uh, before I was there, um, so I went there like roughly a week after, so that that following Saturday, I would say. So um, when I arrived, I, you know, checked out the scene, my video, and uh, then I went inside because I'm like, great, the community center is open. I'm going to go in there and talk to the staff. And I, I was like, hey, you know, I'm investigating the Mothman. Uh, and, and they were like, yeah, <laughs> and, and my, my, uh, I was surprised at their response because instead of like rolling their eyes at me or just like walking away, like some people do when you ask them about things that are poor, paranormal, um, instead they came to, to the front desk excitedly and they were like, oh yeah, we've been following, uh, you know, like the, the cases of the Mothman. And uh, I'm like, yeah? And, and they're like, yeah. And I'm like, well, do you know that he was in your parking lot last weekend? And they're like, what? <laughs> and oh, so, yeah. so to me, these people were really into the idea of uh, the Mothman being in Chicago. And so for them not to know that, um, that a couple was attacked in their car in the parking lot, uh, the Friday before just seemed suspicious to me. And also, when I went to the location, I saw how busy the streets are going right by that parking lot. And you can imagine what it would have been like on Friday um, 1027, which is essentially that would have been um, the Halloween weekend celebration in that area. And then oh, Day God, of the yeah. Dead after that. So uh, it would have been overrun with celebrants. Uh, just a week before, when this when this is said to go on, 
was said to go on. So um, for them to have no knowledge was really shocking to me. And yeah. there's other specifics I can address as well. But, you know, it, it just seemed that like more and more of this was cropping up. Instead of finding a monster, I was finding something else, something I didn't expect. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's very interesting. And uh, so out of all these, let's say, ballpark 50, was there any of them that, that even remotely you were like, all right, this may, this may have been a creature? Or was it pretty much across the board you are like, all right, none of, this, none of this holds up? Well, Tim, I think we need witnesses. <laughs> we need witnesses yeah. that come forward. Uh, the difference, the huge, huge difference uh, between – the Chicagoland or the Lake Michigan Mothman, as they're now calling it, is that when you're talking about the original Mothman cases that we know so well in Point Pleasant, you know, that was yeah. the 60s, 66 to 67. There were over 100 witnesses that came forward publicly. And many right, of them right. are oh, still so alive no, today. So, like, none of these people who have claimed to seen this thing have come forward there's got to be one right is, is there well, anyone who's well, come there are three. <laughs> because they, they, there are oh three. three. Oh, okay three and out of, out of the, 50 okay but but we got to talk about the details of those of of those uh accounts of, of okay, those three okay. diff, very different accounts uh but let's back up a little bit uh before yep. i get to that um so so yeah i'm running into all these inconsistencies tim and then uh, I went to the, the uh, Chicago Ghost Conference that Ur- Ursula Bielski puts on, and uh, she was having me speak there about uh, my expeditions. And I ran into Sam Moranto, who is the head of Illinois MUFON. And I know, you know, you can't say the word, can't say the name MUFON now uh, because no, know, some yeah. bad things that have break. Uh, that has frankly happened um, in the organization among certain members, but it shouldn't give the mm-hmm. whole organization a, a black eye. So Sam Moranto, uh, he's always been a good guy to me, and mm-hmm. there's no negative things that I think anybody could could say about him um, and his investigation techniques. So he he had Illinois move on, and he he came he, he was watching my videos. I, he came to meet me at my table at the at the con, the ghost conference, and he knew who I was. So it's it's kind of like this, Tim. You know, you 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 just make these videos, you put them up there, and you hope somebody's watching them, but you don't know for sure. Right. <laughs> you yeah, don't exactly. know that anybody yeah, yeah. knows about all this money and time that you're spending to to really like tilt at a a windmill, pretty much. I mean, that's what <laughs> that's what I'm doing here. Um, right. So, so it, it was amazing to me that he had watched all my videos and said, he said, wow, you know, I love what you're doing. And, and here's what we found at MUFON about some of these reports. So, uh, so he had looked at uh, a lot of the case reports as well with a very critical eye. And he found other inconsistencies uh, between, like, weather data Data that was reported was supposedly oh. reported by the witness that day. Now I'm not saying. Uh, I, I guess they got to be clear because some 
because I am skeptical, I, I think through these things. You know, people tend to think that I'm a dogmatic skeptic or that they want to portray me that way and right. uh, or that I don't respect witness claims. And, and I couldn't be further from the truth. I just have to have some witnesses that come forward. Um, and, you know, I have to be sure that, you know, uh, these reports aren't just, you know, um, coming out of somebody's head. And you know, there's some veracity to them. So, so yes, I'm yeah. skeptical, but I'm not. I'm not trying to be a professional skeptic. I mean, I, you know, professional skeptics don't do the things that that I've done. And and thankfully, thankfully, I've had my own experiences because after the bad experiences I went through, you know, which have been a real, a real eye opener for me, Tim, a real education uh, through this whole Mothman debacle. Uh, you know, if yeah. I didn't have my own experiences, I, I'd be running into the love arms of Richard Dawkins by now. Uh, but I have, I, I know that <laughs> that some of what is said is real. And to me, that's what makes investigation all the more important. We have to separate the wheat from the chaff. So what Sam Morales is telling me is that, you know, he's looking at the, the nitty gritty on these reports. Let's check the weather weather data and see if we can match it up. Oh no, we can't match it up. That's a problem. Or you know, if they were, if it was a report from you know on the water, how many knots were we coming at? You know, I mean, he really right, right, right. He really looks for in areas that I I didn't even think of, and and then the moon phases. Oh, they reported a full moon. Was it a full moon that night, or was it even close to full? And and so he was looking at details too, and and he found a lot of inconsistencies as well, which is what you w- would expect if these reports were made up. So uh, let's get back to, oh, and one more thing. I can't let this one go. So so the, the smoking gun, the thing that really got me was Sam said that MUFON had received some of the reports as well. Mm-hmm. And so, so, let me just say the purveyors of these reports in general have been three different websites. Uh, one big one uh, is the primary source, and everybody talks about this one, you know, as as their source of choice in the paranormal for some reason. So anyway, uh, these were the posters, uh, the people posting about these sightings, and yeah. um, so so he said, "Hey, Mufon also received." A handful of reports. We received seven reports of the Mothman as well, you know, throughout 2017. I'm like, yeah? And he's like, yeah. And what we found out is uh, there were some that were coming from the same IP address. So uh, they received, yeah, and we don't know that for, we don't know what the IP IP, uh, data is for, the IP address data is for all the reports because MUFON only received uh, seven reports. So okay, and some of them, and some of them came from five, the same IP address. Yeah, five of those reports came from the same IP address. So let me break that down a little bit. So five of them were suspicious in that way, and mm-hmm. there were two of those five that came from the very same IP address, and then a later three of them that also came from a single IP address. 
So that to me means that, you know, with the way that IP addresses are distributed, they are most likely coming from the same computer. You know, that's how police are able to track down, you know, perpetrators of different internet crimes is that. Right, right. Wow, that's wild. I didn't. Yeah, this is yeah. news to me. See, okay, all right. I, I, all right. Yeah. I was just, just under the impression that that uh, the that the on-site observations didn't add up with the witness accounts. I didn't re- even realize that it got even even worse than <laughs> worse than that. Yeah, all right. and, and and there's actually one. You know, they're like the reports are when you read the reports, they're very much like stories. Um, right, right. Much more than when you look at a site, like when you look at. Um, National UFO Reporting Center reports, as I often do for Wisconsin, um, or MUFON's database of reports, you'll see that, you know, you don't get full-blown stories. You're not getting yeah, 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 about, yeah. oh, I was taking my kid to soccer practice, or, you know, I'm a police officer, <laughs> yeah. or I'm this, or I'm that. Yeah, yeah. You know, you don't yeah, get you get a, like blue. Yeah, you get stuff. something. You get something like blue ball on, you know, blue blue ball in the sky on a Wednesday at three. That's all you get. Yeah. It's like, oh well, right. <laughs> you know, work with that, folks. Work with that one. Um, yeah, you yeah. Don't you don't get great want reports. To tell you their life story or give you too much detail, which is, you know, when you when uh, you are trying to determine the veracity of somebody's claims, you know, police investigators, real police investigators. Look for uh, look for too much detail in what somebody is saying. So uh, when you're reading these reports, you know keep that in mind. But uh, one of the reports um, actually uh, in I believe it was July of 2017 um, said it came from a police officer, and in the text it said that the police officer filed a police report. So. That was really exciting to me, Tim, because that's a public record. In right, general, you should be able to get your hands you on You can that. get your yeah. hands on police reports. But uh, so far in all my searching, there does not seem to be a police report for that neighborhood, anywhere around that neighborhood, the Auburn-Grisham neighborhood where it was reported, um, of anything like you know, a mothman or even like a suspicious individual or animal report or anything like that. And right, right. not only I have searched, the Chicago Tribune reporter who did a story on the mothman sightings actually tried to track that down as well and did not find it. Okay, so let's go back to the witness problem, as we were talking about okay. before. So, yeah. so you say... Okay. Yeah, we'll sort of reset you. We'll reboot a little here. Uh, so, so you're saying there's not enough witnesses. You're just dealing with these written reports, some of which are suspect uh, because of this IP issue, um, and and a lot of them read. What I'm thinking of as you're describing these, and I've read them myself too. What they read like is like Reddit posts. Um, you know, yeah. especially some of those fic- those Reddit fiction posts. Um, and right, I read. Like I was I mentioned this last week. Kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, like creepy pasta. Like I mentioned this last week to the guys from uh, Liminal Earth. I, I love there's a Reddit group called uh, Let's Not Meet. It's like people who have creepy encounters, and like they're always really well written. They're ostensibly true, but there's always even I read them, and sometimes I roll my eyes. And like every story, there's always someone that's like, "Great story, too bad it's bullshit." 
And like, so, right. so you never know what's true and what isn't. You have to suspend disbelief if you're going to read the story. That's what a lot of these stories also sounded like uh, when you look at them, because they're just like they're like Reddit posts. They're like paragraphs of, um, you know, the, you know, the moon was still that night, and I. I was wondering uh, if I would get home in time because I had put my laundry in. It's like, oh, fucking what? What is? Where is this going? Did you see right, a moth guy right. or what? And, so, and yeah, it's like someone's of, fiction class. Tropes. They're full of tropes, too. They're like, oh, and, and then the mothman, uh, the mothman uh, shot up into the air like a rocket, and, and I saw his silhouette in front of the moon. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, and it's like, and then I then I smelled pathetic. cigars and like my like my dead grandfather smoked, and it's like, what? Where's this all coming from? Yeah, yeah. All right, right so you got so, so so that's the problem. But there are three witnesses, and and uh, there are three and, witnesses. Yes, let's so go with the three witnesses right now. now. What's going on with them? Okay. Okay, so there's one witness uh, named John, and he uh, was at uh, a club called the. The Owl on uh, 2500 North Milwaukee Avenue on uh, June 20th, 2017, and he's the bouncer there. So uh, he was outside of the club, and uh, it's about 10:30 at night, and he sees this strange, like, uh, pterosaur type creature. He described it as a pterodactyl type creature. Uh, the body uh, apparently was five to five and a half foot in length and grayish. And, and he saw it flying above the streetlights, like gliding in the air. And, you know, it just kind of did a flyby and then disappeared yeah. and there was no sound. So, okay. Is that Mothman, Tim? <laughs> it's a pterodactyl. <laughs> okay. It's a flying creature. I, I'll give you that. It's a flying creature, right? But yeah. it doesn't sound like Mothman. Uh, and it's interesting that that the that the you know the measurements, of course, there's disparity in. But you know that that could be with any accounts, just because measurements are are so hard to gauge. But again, it's not a man-shaped creature with wings. It it looks like a pterodactyl with right with that kind of pterodactyl face. So it's not, not the, the big, red, burrowing, horrific eyes um, that are so commonly associated with the traditional Mothman sightings. So, right, it's not uh, like humanoid either, right? It doesn't sound humanoid. Right, it's not humanoid. So it's not a flying humanoid. Uh, then we also have one uh, from downtown Chicago, Franklin Tapp. This is Willis Tower. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> One of the highest buildings in the world, Willis Tower, oh. um, 233 South Wack uh, Wacker Drive. Um, so there is a guy that uh, I forget his name, but he has come forward publicly, and he was on uh, one of the shows that has come to, come out recently about the Chicago Mothman. And um, he worked at the Franklin Tap. And he was outside as well, smoking a cigarette. And what he saw was uh, this this human-like figure. Okay, so it's human-like. It's standing near the top of the building, and it's it's perched, and it looks like a six-foot human uh, with these tall wings. But it's a green mantis man, and it jumps from the roof 
and shoots straight down and then swoops upwards and disappears in a northerly direction. So it's, it's a dark green color and had a body form like that of a giant mantis. So is that Mothman, Tim? That sound like what they described in Point Pleasant? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that is, but it doesn't sound like the, the Mothman. Well, that, oh, oh, before we get to the other witness, I do want to say, I, that, that, just to get on my soapbox for a minute, the, one of the things sure. that really irritates me about this whole case is, um, like, it's just so cheap to call it Mothman. Like it just yeah. to me, it's like you're biting you're biting off of the fame of this awesome story that everybody loves. We that's why you're biting off of the fame of it. But it's like, get your own fucking thing, you know. That's yeah. my attitude. Like, do your own thing. It's like the, it reminds me of like the like the Texas chupacabras. It's like those aren't chupacabras. Those aren't the classic chupacabras. Stop calling them that. That's how I feel about right. this Chicago. And I'm not talking about you, Allison. I, yeah, no, you're, no, I know what you're talking you're, about. Yeah. You're stuck. You, you have to deal with the hand like, you've been you've been dealt. But to me, it's like where, yeah. whoever decided that this was Mothman, you're wrong. Like Mothman was was West Virginia man. That was like no one's going around like the Dover Demon. No one's going around sticking the Dover Demon the in Dover Mobile, Demon Alabama. Is now here. <laughs> yeah, and going. Oh, it's yes. like the Mobile Demon. It's like it's kind of like the Dover Demon, but it's the Mobile Demon by my book. It's like no, that you can't do that. That's not. That's so cheap. That's that's how I feel yeah, about that. We, like, come we, up with your own fucking gotta, name. Just come up with your own name for this thing. We've got to deal with that. <laughs> I'm stepping off the soapbox now, so we can. <laughs> something that bothered me as well. No, no, no. I'm 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 jumping on. I'm jumping back on the soapbox with you to say <laughs> that it seems like a heritage grab. You know, like right. Yeah. Everybody loves yeah, John Keel. Everybody loves the Mothman prophecies. Everybody knows that. Even skeptics know it. You know, has this compelling story, and it's like we're gonna ride right on those coattails. And there's a reason for that. Unfortunately, that that I figured out, um, and we can talk about that in a minute. So, uh, so another report, where we have a witness, uh, Billy Vance. And uh, he, I'm not finding it in my notes here, but it happened in Cicero. It was also 2017. And in Cicero, there's this trucker named Billy Bance, and uh, there's, this, there's this bread company, and he's picking up a load. And he notices outside his truck that, uh, hey, there's this thing in the sky. And so he takes a closer look, and... He says it's a vehicle. It's like a Batmobile in the sky. It is kind of boxy, you know, like bulky looking with with these scalloped wings. And he only saw one side, so he only saw the one wing. And he's like, this is is some kind of, I don't know what, but uh, he didn't say Mothman. Uh, and again, this, this jumping on the bandwagon, trying to throw everything in the, the same basket, bothers me because that's yeah. not paranormal investigation. That's selling a narrative. It's marketing. And yep, that's marketing. Yeah. And so that that's that's what I started noticing. And you know, to me, the real disrespect to witnesses is doing something for financial gain, you know, that that uh compromises all your principles, uh, you know, just so you can sell a story. Uh 
when there's real witnesses out there who are struggling with uh, extraordinary excuses and frightening sightings they can't explain. And, and now they have nowhere to go because you're, you're clouding up the channels with, with all this bogus material. So, right. uh, you know, some do what we are saying here today, you know, the particular verse of the accounts and how they're laid out and, and try to construe, and because they've done this to me before, try to construe that our laughter about it or um, is, is in some way, you know, shaming witnesses. And that's not the intention here. And I know it's not your intention either. Uh, you know, we're laughing. No, 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 no. Witnesses are cool. We need witnesses. They're the, they're the bread yeah. and butter of all this, yeah. witnesses. So, yeah, no one's, right. you know, if you're brave enough to report something, then, then more power to yeah. you. So, but it's like, we yeah. can, we, as you said, without the witnesses, the physical witnesses, um, with, with only written accounts, that's all we can go on. It's like, hey, no one's, you know, no no, no one's, uh, you know, we only have the written accounts. We're not, we're not even, it's, not, it's nothing personal. That's probably the best way to put it. It's like yeah. We can only work with what right. you've sent us. So, so, you know, if you think, if you think that what, what Allison uncovered is about your sighting is wrong, then, you know, contact her. I have a feeling no one's oh, contacted yes. you to go, hey, you went to the CVS in downtown, and the, you didn't see the Mothman, <laughs> but I, what I meant was that it was a Walgreens. Like, you haven't had anything like right. that happen, I, I assume. No, I, I haven't, unfortunately. But, you know, I'm opening it up. If, if people have had authentic sightings, that's what I want to look into. I, I think right. it's really important in paranormal investigation that we not just grandstand, that we separate the wheat from the chaff. You know, that that's hugely, hugely important. And, and I think, um, you know, I'm glad that, that you wanted to have me on because, you know, I'm, I've been on a, a skeptical podcast past a couple of times, uh, uh, a few here and there, but, you know, the big podcast, you know, because they don't, they don't want to look like uh, they are being skeptical, and, and to me, I, I, I just don't get that. I mean, if something is a hoax, I think we want to know. I mean, we're, that there's enough par- authentic paranormal activity that we don't need to make something up. You can't just let it go on because uh, if you do, then real witnesses they won't have a place to go that is run by hucksters. You know they they won't have uh, any outlet. I mean it's bad enough as it is to know who. Uh, but if you're not out there doing really investigative work, then you're only getting in the way of. Being a paranormal. So that's me on my soapbox. I'm really great at getting up on one. Um, <laughs> well, it's so interesting. It's the point, too, that is worth mentioning is, um, and you're breaking up a little bit on me. I don't know if you've moved around at all uh, since we started the show, but oh, okay. um, I don't know. See if you can. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, people say that to me all the time, and it's like, I don't know what to do. Should I stand on a chair? Yeah. How, do I know how, how do I know how to make it not break up? I'm not, a, I'm not Alexander I, yeah, Graham Bell. I've been pretty much the so, same. Same spot. Sorry about that. I, I'd be glad it's to call right, uh, No, no, no. I think we're okay. If it keeps up, then we might want to figure something out. Maybe, yeah. maybe then we switch to the Skype or something. But um, it's, sure. it's. I think what you're saying is really important, and, and to take it a step further, it's like the the paranormal research community is is really resource starved. So 
when you get in a situation like this where if this story is as flimsy as it sounds, like yeah. uh, for people who don't want to take an honest look at it and have an honest assessment, um, by extension, they're kind of like 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 this 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 flimsy story is like taking other people's spots. It's taking up other people's research yeah. spots. It's taking up other people's, uh, you know, someone might buy a book about this when there's really apparently nothing to it, um, when they could be buying a book for, of somebody else's. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like, Absolutely. It, 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 to me, to me, it's like, a, it's kind of like what you're saying. You've got to separate the wheat from the chaff. Uh, you know, if there's nothing to the story, if the story doesn't add up, then, then uh you know, best move on. That's kind of my attitude, rather than try and belabor it or, or anything like, or anything like that. So, but yeah, it's it's it uh, to me. That's kind of what I where I see it too. Where it's like, yeah, again, it's taking it's taking attention away from other cases that have more going for them, more veracity uh, by virtue. Again, to go back to what we were talking about, because of this Mothman thing. Because it's like, oh, cause, right, you know, who's it, like. I know you were on the CW last night for uh, Mysteries Dakota, and it was a Mothman thing, so I yeah. figure it must be involving this. But um, yes. since they had you on, I take it you got to – and we can get to that in a minute, so we don't uh, – I don't want to totally right. go off to, on a tangent. But, um, you know, it's like I assume they they provided a even-handed take on it if you were on there, um, which is good. But, the you know, there's other shows, other books, other things um, – you know, other media pursuits, other guest spots on shows and stuff like that where it's like, well, you know, that's somebody else's spot. That that spot should be going to a story that has a little more heft to it um, based on what we've right. uncovered, what you've uncovered. So, you know, based on yeah. you know, what the field has uncovered. So I forget where yeah, we were we, off on this, but. <laughs> well, I, I want to just follow up on one point that we were hovering over for a little bit there. Um, so you you said as the sightings started to mount, you became more and more suspicious. And so, the, you know, the same is true of a lot of people who are looking on. And then I, I wonder uh, how many people were thinking about the year and the significance and pondering, hmm, why so many sightings in 2017? And it wasn't immediately clear to me either until a book came out about it on the 50th anniversary of the Silver Bridge Collapse, which was yeah. December 15th, 2017. Oh. So, yes, what you were saying before about uh, riding on coattails or, or stealing somebody else's thunder you know, this this to me is the most um, grievous, you know, point of that, which is perhaps maybe even engineering these sightings so that there's a sighting uh, in enough time so that you can publish a book right on the 50th anniversary. Now, the Silver Bridge yeah. collapse for, for people who might not remember and it wasn't immediately apparent to me either you know as i'm investigating uh these chicagoland uh cases i didn't didn't make the connection to point pleasant but in point pleasant um the silver bridge uh which served point pleasant collapsed on uh december 15th 
1967, and that's thought to be the culmination of the Mothman events in Point Pleasant, that, that maybe Mothman was the harbinger of that disaster. You know, certainly that's how it's been portrayed. So the idea of dredging the memories of those people up and saying, oh, you know, maybe it's going to happen again in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's really gruesome to me that all those people lost their lives in the Ohio River. You know, one of one of uh, the uh, purveyors of these accounts, the main one, um, wants to actually give me a bath in the Ohio River, which maybe we want to talk about later. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, that was kind of – that's a good segue because that – yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we we can kind of move on a little bit. I think we've made the case here for what you've <laughs> uncovered. So now to set the stage, I I guess for people who are kind of like what the, this is a little bit inside baseball, but that's we do that a lot on this program. Um, so yeah. there's this you know there's for lack of a better there's excitement about this thing. People are talking about it. Books coming out. Uh, you know, newspaper articles, website articles. Uh, there's a buzz around this this Chicago mob man, and then you are like, hold on, I've actually looked into this <laughs> rather than just print shit on a website. And it uh, turns out maybe that there's probably not a Chicago Mothman, and here's why. And then you got – there was – that's you mentioned a debacle. This is the debacle. So I guess what, what the hell right. happened here? Uh, you know, talk about this pushback you got. Uh, and I will say this. I mean, you and I have a lot of mutual friends and a lot of folks that uh, – that that are that I'm good, really good friends with, who I have a lot of respect for, like Seth Breedlove, Lauren Coleman. Yeah. Um, you know, and and they and they're they're you know they speak very highly of you. So it's like to me, uh, I don't under like the pushback, and you can you can you can hone in on this as much as you'd like, but the pushback seems to be coming from just a very small pocket of people who really want this thing to be real for reasons, uh, you know, that may have to do with their bank account, but. Right. The 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 greater community, you you haven't been like shunned from the paranormal for uncovering this. If anything, you've been celebrated for having looked into this and and taken an honest approach. So I mean, I guess that's a sort of overall blanket like kudos to the paranormal community because you know back in the day, like you said, uh, people would see you as some kind of arch skeptic. Where it's like, no, you just genuinely wanted to find out more about these things, and you were like, oh shit. Hold the phone. What's going on with these? This ain't Mothman, man. So, right. so talk about the pushback. Talk about this. What, what you know, the debacle, and and feel you know. Tell, tell us, tell us what happened. You know, if you want to talk about yeah, the well, thing earlier in the summer, that was quite a, <laughs> quite a mess. Um, but right, yeah, right, talk right, about right. talk so, about all this. So, so there's three people in particular. You probably know who they are, and. Um, you know, if you've been following this at all, and you know, really, I thought I was friends with these people. Oh my gosh, I am so naive. I just want to be friends with everybody, Tim. Oh, it's the elementary <laughs> teacher in me coming out. Let's all sing Kubaya and hold hands. I guess it can't happen, like I dreamed it. But um, you know, when I started this, you know, I, as I said, I wasn't going into it to be a debunker, and and I actually. I had um, three, all three of these people on a podcast uh, that that I work on, and um, so when you know early on, before you know, I went to many of these sites. I'm like, oh, let's get them on. This is really happening, and uh, and so actually, I I introduced 
uh, one of his people to the other two, and uh, which I regret, or, or maybe not. Maybe it's good to know, you know, who your friends really are. Um, but it, it's a shock. It's a shock because really all I wanted is I thought I was supposed to be an investigator, you know. Uh, it, it's like this is what I wanted to do separate the wheat from the chaff. And let, let me say, let me say, I'm, uh, I am not saying that all of these are bunk. You know, we've got three witnesses. Maybe they saw something. And, and as you, as you mentioned, um, you mentioned Seth Breedlove, you, you mentioned terror in the skies. He, he did have yeah. me in that movie. And in that movie, I think he makes a really compelling case about all these Thunderbird sightings in Illinois in particular, but I'm from Wisconsin, and I know there's all also been, you know, we, we border Illinois, for people who don't know that, um, there's been many Thunderbird sightings here as well. And, you know, that's one of my first uh, forays into the paranormal was, was finding out when my brother gave me a big UFO book for Christmas and we were at a family got- gathering. And, you know, people saw, you know, the big weirdo, what I got for Christmas. And and they they were like, hey, you like UFOs? And then everybody started telling me their story. So it was really, really nice. You know, it wasn't one of those uh, stiff, you know, awkward family parties. I really enjoyed it that night because I got, got to hear all the paranormal dirt that, that, you know, these people have been holding in for years. So um, right. my cousin, actually, he he told me, I saw a dragon. And, I mean, he was not kidding at all. Uh, he was in Brookfield, Wisconsin, uh, in uh, a hospital waiting room, uh, actually awaiting the birth of his first son. This, this waiting room has uh, huge floor-to-ceiling windows, and he was just lazily looking out the window, and he saw uh, what he described as a, a Piper Club, Cub plane in, in uh, wingspan. So those are about yeah. 21 feet um, wingspan-wise. And, uh, yeah. you know, he was in the Navy, so he's, he's somewhat familiar with planes. And uh, so when he saw it, he's like, oh, that is huge. It, it reminds me of a, a Piper Club plane. And, and then as he described it to me and he drew me a picture of it, um, it, it did look to me like a pterodactyl, the, the distinctive head and, and so forth, and the, the leather, leathery wings. And, you know, this is someone in my family that I've known all my life. He's, he's only had one of these weird sightings and never anything again. I mean, he'd love to have a ghost experience. He loves ghosts like me. But, again, when he has paranormal stories to tell, this is his only one. And right. so this happened in 1988 to him. And then, the, uh, you know, when I published that story online, you know, there were other people that came forward. So, I mean, I mean, this I was publishing this in 2000. So, you yeah. know, and then more people came forward. So I know there's a history of these giant reports in the Midwest. And, and again, you know, if you watch um, Terror in the Skies, you'll see some really cool newspaper reports that uh, Seth dug up. And I found even more. There's, there's, there's a big flap from... Uh, from 1948, uh, from uh, around the uh, Alton area, but then it also even extends up into uh, the border with Wisconsin. Uh, there were so many 
sightings by uh, so many people of different walks of life. And one of the things that really shocked me is I was in that movie, so when it was coming out, I was doing my own research, and I found all these articles about the, uh, the 1948 flap in Illinois. Yeah. And I was shocked by, by one of the witnesses in one of those new, old newspaper articles I dug up. In their description, they describe it as it, it looked like it reminded them of, and it had the wingspan of a Piper Cub plane. And that wow. really shocked me because, you know, way back in 2000, I'm hearing this from my cousin, you know, what the size of this thing is. And then somebody from 1948, you know, I go back in time, the same comments. Um, and, you know, he's not, I mean, my, my cousin didn't dig that article up. He he didn't, right, he didn't exactly. know there was yeah, any yeah, connection. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, exactly. And now, see, that's, uh, the exciting, that, that's the exciting part, that the that if there is anything real to this, Tim, uh, it <sighs> connects to those kind of sightings, you know, that, right, that go right. back generations and keep repeating and, and are reflected in uh, Midwestern Native American lore in the Thunderbird story. So um, so all these things tend, tend to connect, and I, I kept finding, you know, I found – uh, articles from uh, 76, 77, um, you know, then I found articles even further back from 1948. I found articles going back to the, the early 1900s of similar things being cited. Um, and, uh, and one actually trying to pick up a, a child that uh, oh boy. Know, resembles another case in, in uh, 1976 from Illinois. So, and that happened in 1909. So, I, I'm not saying there's nothing to this. I, you know, I have a personal connection to it. I, I right, want to right, absolutely, it. yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I tell I people wanted, that a lot too. Actually, I've, I've used that expression recently. It's like I, it's a cliche. It's like I want to believe it. That's kind of where I'm at. I would like to believe this stuff, but, but I, I'm not like I'm not like one of those. I don't like how it's depicted in X-Files, but it's like, I want to believe you just got to show me that it's real or not. But anyway, let me, let me take you down a different path here. Um, yeah. Let's circle back a bit. I want to know, like, why do you think it is? Because these characters, these Mothmen men, or Mothmen boys, let's be honest, uh, yeah. they, they were, you know, they're putting out this stuff, and you've done the investigation, and you come back to them, and you're like, hey... Uh, this doesn't add up. Here, 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 and da 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 da. Um, and then there was this pushback. I guess why do you think that was the case? Because personally, if I was, I mean, I, I I'm not, I've never been in that position. Maybe I'd have a different reaction. But if it was me, and I was putting all this effort into like little dwarf sightings around Massachusetts or something, and and then you came and looked at all the stuff, and you're like, no, 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 like, this couldn't possibly be happening. I'd be like, oh, thank you. Thank you for, thank you, thank you for saving me from looking like a clown um, down the line by showing that these stories aren't true. Uh, so I guess that's. Yeah. I mean, maybe I'd be different. Maybe I maybe I'd react like like these guys and be like, "Get the hell out of here! I got a lot invested in these dwarves, Allison." But what was? <laughs> what do you think? What do you think was the motivating factor in that in that pushback you got? Because, like I said, I mean, if we're all in this together, if we're all honest investigators, 
Like they should, people should appreciate. I appreciate what you did. They should appreciate what you did. Everybody in the paranormal should appreciate what you did because you have saved us a lot of time and and money and energy. But go, so, what do you yeah. think that is all about? Yeah, I mean that's that that was a difficult lesson for me to learn because again, I I thought, oh, we're gonna be collab- collaborators. You know, I'm always looking for people to collaborate with. This is going to be great. It's going to be just like on the X-Files or, or, you know, Star Trek Next Generation where we all work as this, this crack team, right? We're this crack investigative team. You know, we're, 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 we have each other's backs. You know, I don't know. I'm just deluded on that. I'm, I'm not going to be deluded <laughs> on paranormal stuff. But, you know, I believe in humanity, Tim. So <laughs> sometimes it, it gets in my way. So, yeah, I was added to an investigative group for this, this main blog. And uh, basically what it was was a Facebook messenger group. And uh, I was waiting for something useful to come through. Uh, It never did. Uh, And (laughs) when I asked questions, nobody answered me. You know, when I put things in there, it was like crickets, no response. Um, And I was really excited about the police report. I I was like, as soon as I found out about that, I was like writing in the group, oh, yes, who has, who has looked into this report? You know, because, uh, you know, maybe if they didn't give it to you, maybe we could try again, use, use a different format, you know, use different language. And, And I was ready, you know, I was all in to find that police report. And, you know, when I asked the group, nobody says anything. It, it, yeah. It's like, is any actual investigation happening? You know, this is supposed to be the investigative group of, you know, of, uh, you know, the main player of accounts um, <clears throat> did add my uh, maps to his, his, uh, it did add my videos to his map early on. Uh, but uh, then, um, I, then, he changed, uh, and the reason is, uh, I mean, there, there was nothing useful provided in the group, and the most useful uh, thing that I found was, was when I met Sam Moranto, uh, because he uh, had been doing research on this, you know, looking into the, the various accounts and, you know, cross-checking things, and, and he shared information with me. Uh, whereas nobody in the supposed investigative group did that. Yeah. So, you know, I, I question um, where where these reports are coming from. Where are these witnesses? If there, you know, have been so many accounts, over 100 now, you know, I've stopped going oh, wow. to them because it costs a lot of money to go back and forth to Chicago and a lot of time. Um, and, and I'm unconvinced that there's anything worthwhile here, unfortunately. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm asking myself, you know, what what is going on here when when you have no witnesses that are publicly publicly coming forward for a long time, then there are three that uh, come forward consistently and tell all different stories. You know, they and they right. and none of them talk about the Mothman. Whereas in West yeah. Virginia, you can still go back there today and find witnesses from back in 1967. In 1966, that will tell you the same story. You know, right. that's why that case, those cases are lauded, and and this one should not be because it cannot, it it cannot meet the same standards, and and we have to have standards. Uh, 
And and so I, I don't understand exactly why this anger is here, and maybe that shows you that there's something dubious. Because, you know, when you express a little bit of doubt, you know, now I'm full on. But in the beginning, I was like, oh, right. you know, maybe you're being duped. Uh, maybe some of these are hoaxes. Maybe we should be a little bit more critical. And uh, yeah. then for just saying something like that, uh, you're kicked out. But, but really what it was, I think, because – uh, this this is what happened. Um, I got uh, I got uh, booted from the investigative group uh, when I went on a podcast with Sam Aranto, and simply we were talking about some of these issues with the the uh, very tropey sounding reports, and right, right. Uh, they didn't like that. They didn't like that we were looking at uh, the reports critically, and then they kicked me out of the group. And then from then on. Yes, and and actually that night that I was kicked out of the group, I, I was going to be on uh, Midnight in the Desert when uh, Heather Wade was the host. So it gives you an idea yeah. of how far back this goes. And uh, so she um, would admit to me later that night that, that originally she didn't want to have me on because she thought that all this Mothman stuff was bunk. She, she was thinking – she had some suspicious feelings toward it. But then – when um, I, you know, I got kicked out that night. Uh, one of these purveyors of the accounts emailed her right away and, and said, "Why are you having Allison on?" And said all these scandalous things about me. And and then she's like, "Yes, I'm happy to have Allison on." <laughs> so it has right exactly. Uh, somebody thought they were sabotaging me, and that keeps happening. That also happened with Lauren Coleman. Uh, Lauren Quinn put out a, a Mothman, updated Mothman book, which which had some Chicago Mothman stuff in there and, and talked about all the different investigators that included included me. And uh, when uh, one of these people uh, found out I was going to be in the book with him, um, he, he uh, said, hey, Lauren, you know, and, and just – Really, he knew me beforehand. So Lauren knew me beforehand. Lauren knew right, right. that what was said about me was bunk. And, and yeah. of course, Lauren came right back to me. But my question is, Tim, how, how, many, how many other people out there have been poisoned to, to me and you know, are thinking bad things about me just because I express some doubt and I want to be a real investigator? Um, yeah, yeah it's, pretty, you know, I it's pretty disappointing. Yeah, and and then it, it's still going on, and that's what the big kick up uh, this summer was about. Uh, there's there's a another investigator and witness um, who uh, was in a an investigator group again on Facebook with these guys, and he just got sick of them trouncing me every opportunity they they got. Um, because he had heard it repeatedly anytime my name was brought up. They just had all yeah, these scurrilous yeah. things to say about me. And uh, so he saw, you know, these, these very offensive uh, and insensitive comments uh, made by these three individuals. And then he's like, you know what, uh, I'm, I'm copying this and sending it to her. So, uh, you know, the participants will say, well, this is a private conversation. Well, not if you're in an investigative group with other investigators. It's not a private conversation. It, right, right, right. It's a group yeah, chat. You're disparaging yeah. me in front of other people <laughs> in the field. And and somebody didn't like it. And so they, they sent me the information. And I'm like, you know what? I'm making this public. It's been two years. And st- 
So there's this vitriol. Why is that? You know, I, I yeah, think they protest yeah, it was, much. Exactly. It was an ugly – it was an ugly uh, – uh, an incident, I guess you could say, and uh, having you know, yeah. you were the victim of that. So I, I, I feel really bad for you. And one of the, uh, and especially and, hearing and now that this okay. has been going on for for a while. I, oh, you're uh, you're yeah. you're a tough woman. I'm not worried about you know. <laughs> you kind of you kind of you know you you uh, you kind of came out on top of this <laughs> that whole the whole well, uh, well, the whole true. incident I at mean, the beginning of the summer, and, and good for you. Yeah, maybe they'll just learn to be quiet about me in future because every time they open their mouth, it seems to backfire on them. So maybe they'll yeah, learn, yeah. you know, let's not let's not talk crap about people. How investigators act. Let's agree to disagree and maybe even get together and talk about our differences. How about that? You know, we don't have to be uh, sworn enemies. You know, we were friends, I thought, and just because I disagree with you. Uh, turn against me. I mean, I, I mean, at that the time, you know, I wasn't making allegations. Uh, you know, now, I, I, you know, I have to speculate, uh, you know, in retrospect, what's going on here. Uh, and yeah. now that you know, the books and everything that was planned financially uh, ahead of time, you know, why, um, you know, I've, I've got to speculate. But, but when, when uh, you know, I was kicked out and this first started, uh, I, um, I wanted to be friends. I wanted to be part of the investigative group. I thought I was doing my job. I thought I was going to get a gold star, Tim. I, I didn't right, think right, I right. run out of town <laughs> because <laughs> I, I well, it's out. And, it's it's and very I, telling. Disagree. Absolutely, yeah. Well, it's very telling that um, you know one of the messages in the exchange was like. Uh, well, we're in a movie soon, and we're going to have this book come out. And uh, you know, once that once that happens, everyone's going to be on our side, and then we'll get invited to the conferences. And it's like, what are you like? This is like I thought you were trying to investigate this thing, or you just want to go to conferences right. and be a guest. Like that that really spoke volumes to me. Uh, you know, where it was like, okay, this is this is like this is an interpersonal, like this is just petty jealousy, man. This is not. This is not like I take issue with the methods by which she uh, investigated this. It's like, it's like, oh, I want the attention, man. This isn't fair. It's like, whoa, bro, really? Come on. I thought we were adults here. And, and I, I didn't think the paranormal was supposed to be a popularity contest, really. I mean, I just thought it's all these investigators that they look into weird things. They find out, you know, that the, they're, they're – on the tail of the secrets of the universe, you know, uh, uncovering, um, you know, all this ancient knowledge and, you know, in, incredible uh, discoveries. You know, that's what I wanted it to be. <laughs> I wanted, wanted to be like right, high right. school. God. Yeah, that exactly. It's very, <laughs> it's very unfortunate. We gotta spread this stuff around. Let's put it on the internet. You're listening to Banal of America Audio. Great heavens. What kind of radio show is this? So you were on the CW show. So were you talking about this Mothman case? Uh, I guess talk a little bit about like, that. Because where we're at now is sort of like this thing is still hanging around. You know, this this, right. this, this faux Mothman um, is, right. is still in the zeitgeist. Uh, clearly you were on CW last night, so it's still got the... The attention of people again with the resources, um, yeah. you know, it's great that they brought you in. If it had, if it had been a completely like, 
oh, wow, the Mothman's running around Chicago, then I'd be like, all right, hold on, guys. Did you even – have you even heard of Allison Jordan's work? Um, so I'm yeah, glad that that well, was the case. So talk a little bit about that. That was last night on CW. Uh, I didn't get a chance yeah, to see it. I was working last night, but I'll, I'll probably yeah, try and check it out Mystery- online this weekend. Yeah, it was on Mysteries Decoded, and uh, one of the hosts uh, – was uh, M.J. Benias, who is a great researcher out of Canada. And uh, so, you know, we've uh, worked uh, uh, together previously. Uh, he had a book that he put out, uh, I don't know, a couple years ago now, I guess, The UFO People. Time just keeps ticking away. But, yeah, so The UFO People came out, and he had me um, write an essay for that book. And, and so, you know, we've developed – a friendship and and when he found out that they were going to get to do an update on the show uh because they had done a you know Point Pleasant Mothman episode and so you know now because of covid they don't get to really go any place so they thought well right, let's right. Skype up Allison <laughs> and uh and update uh this episode with the Chicago Mothman stuff so, unfortunately, though, uh, even though they did talk to me for over an hour, we we hashed out all of this stuff, uh, and, you know, we taped it, like I said, for at least an hour, uh, if not more, because I know we were talking for longer than that, and uh, both the bulk of it was, was dropped. I mean, there was nothing, there, there was nothing really um, said of the reports uh, you know nothing evidence nothing evidence wise for example um so that that was a part that they included was when i was talking about the thunderbird and the possibility that maybe what people were uh are seeing is a thunderbird yeah. so that's the only clip that they used they they um showed a little bit of uh of me on my Mothman channel, which was great, but they didn't—they didn't mention the URL, which is YouTube.com/slash/Mothman. Um, <laughs> but then I—I I stupidly mentioned the name of uh, the major purveyor of the reports. I mentioned the name yeah. of the blog, so uh, they got because of that. So, so really, you know, what have I done to these people? That's terrible. People, uh, you know, with uh, readers. Let's say uh, enthusiasts, you know, still are interested in um, wild claims, and yes. you know, I don't know that they're that interested to really dig in deep and find out if there's any truth to the claims. They just want to hear the wild stories, and so right, they're always right, going right, to go right. to that site. Uh, yep, so, absolutely, yeah. You know, so you haven't really, yeah, I yeah. Think, you're you're swimming upstream here anyway, and it's like right. I can tell you from experience, just from being in this for years, like people. The question is far more fascinating than the answer, and when you find answers and provide them for people, uh, you don't get nearly as much <laughs> interest. Um, you know, right. it's uh, it's kind of like you know, on a much grander scale. Like we, I talked recently about the uh, the Loch Ness monster e, e, uh, DNA environmental DNA study that showed it was probably an eel and ship. And it's like the Loch Ness monster is going to live forever, like for better or for worse, and much to my chagrin because of the because of what I think is a terrible name, um, 
the 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 Lake Michigan Mothman is going to live for uh, you know a long 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 time. Like it's 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 got right. its hooks into the zeitgeist. So these guys who were like, oh man, come on, like they really just need to put on their big boy pants and and accept the fact that like people are gonna have issue with your story, but your story is apparently less, like really popular. So get over it. Yeah. So. I I don't see any way that it hurt them, so right. uh, you know, and and I really don't want to hurt anybody. I mean, I'm not in this to hurt people. I'm in right. this exactly. to the light yeah, paranormal yeah. investigation. That's it. And I wanted right. to investigate something paranormal. Turned out that maybe it's not paranormal, or maybe it's something different. Maybe it's you know somebody saw, uh, maybe somebody saw a, a thunderbird type creature again. You know that so often happens in uh, the Midwest. And it was just, you know, put together in a package to uh, be Mothman because of that upcoming 50th anniversary. Uh, yeah. But I'm not saying that nothing happened because I think extraordinary things do happen all the time. And we just don't have the tools to process them. Uh, but I think they are definitely out there. I know I've had my own experiences. Uh, but, yeah, I'm not, I'm not trying to just say that nothing That's extraordinary it. happens. I. I I know that it, it does. And, you know, there's other people like Sam Maranto is like thinking, well, maybe this is some kind of disinformation plot. You know, maybe we're, we're being distracted from something else, you know, that is really happening. So, and, and hey, that, that's, the, that's the dangerous thing. I mean, how would we know? And, and, and how would we know which of these reports is authentic if we just throw everything into the same basket, no matter how many red right. flags there are? And, and yeah, that's exactly. that's the problem yeah. here, and and like you said, the lack of resources. We we can't afford that, and we can't afford, you know, uh, perhaps being hoaxed by dogmatic skeptics, uh, you know, to be made fun of later, which which has happened to people in the paranormal. You know, we we can't afford disinformation campaigns that distract us from something that's really going on. You know, we can't afford uh, just mindless hoaxes or like a four chan level hoax, um, like have been perpetrated by people on 4chan before, uh, obscuring real witness uh, accounts. We can't afford that kind of nonsense yeah, that's, just because you want you want to blow up something bigger than it is. Yeah, that's kind of like I said about how they read like Reddit. That Part of me did kind of think that where it was like let's – even if it was just a handful of people, it would be, you know, it's very easy for them to be like let's troll this guy and send him some uh, – send him – Send them made up Mothman reports. It's like if you don't, if all you're doing is taking them and putting them out there, like there's no, there's really no quality control. So right. that's that's and, the and that's the troublesome mind. part. And and I don't mind. Hey, let's say, let's put everything up there, but then let's annotate. Right. Right. Let's we can say I received this report, and and here's what I found in my detailed investigation. And you know this, you know maybe he could, maybe people could even rate it as to you know how, what, what the veracity, what what veracity uh, score do you think this has, you know instead yeah. of just putting everything in the the this happened basket and you know isn't this incredible? <laughs> the world is coming to an yeah. end. Mothman is spelling our doom. Um, <laughs> well, you know, I might believe that. I might believe that part. <laughs> right. If it happened in 2020, then we're all on board. But it, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. 
But yeah, so I mean, we can kind of. I think we've we've gone a long time here on this uh, already, and it's sort of like. So let's move on from this thing. As I said, this this thing is going to linger for a long time, uh, regardless of of how tremendous Allison's work has been. Uh, And again, kudos to the paranormal community, the 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 good the good guys in the paranormal community, gals, um, you know, who who can see with their own open eyes about what this is all about. Um, yeah. And so I talk about Dave is one of those people. I should say that, you know, I, but anytime you're on a TV show, you know, it's not, he, he doesn't get the final say on content. So whatever yeah, the others yeah. do with it, they do with it. So, so it, it's okay. You know, if you saw that little clip last night, you know, I, I said something very similar tonight, but I kind of gave you the whole enchilada tonight. So, uh, right, right. replay this one. <laughs> And maybe we can put this to bed. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, well, I hope folks check this one out and, uh, you know, because I've come close to doing shows about this thing, even though I'm not really a big fan of it. Um, and I would have brought up a lot of these critical questions like, hey, how come you, how come you had to use the Mothman name, dude? That's not cool. Um, but I just, it, you know, to me it was like I never I never ran out to, you know, I was literally ever enthusiastic about this story uh for years and years and years, for as long as it's been around, because to me it's just like it just doesn't pass the smell test, man. It doesn't pass the right. smell test, and I think anybody who's been in this field for a long time uh, feel felt that same way before a lot of your stuff came to light. Anyway, you know, it was like uh, like That's you right. said, didn't you say uh, Heather Wade said the same thing when she was going to have you on the show? Right. It's like anybody who's been in this field for a long time heard this story and just kind of was like, eh, I don't think so. I don't think so, man. You know. So anyway, yeah, but hey, for that's it's gonna last for it's gonna last a long time anyway. So <laughs> yeah. So, so let's talk. So maybe we should move on to talk about the new YouTube channel, which I'm working that's on. That's exact. Look at you. Are you psychic? Because that's yeah. exactly where I was yeah. going next. I that's know. that's yes, exactly I know. what I want to ask you about next. <laughs> so you oh, launched this yeah, new so. YouTube channel, and uh, yeah. it's. Let me get my notes out. I'm notorious for this. Yeah, I, so I'm, I'm just complaining to somebody. I walk around. I, I I walk around while I'm doing the show. No, so okay. next thing you know, I come to the point uh, where so I need to read something off the page. Look, hold on now. So yeah, the called, the uh, new YouTube channel is is Paranormal Women: A Hidden History, uh, and you can tell us right. about this. But I want to put you over here for it because uh, you just launched it. I watched uh, the first couple episodes. Uh, this week, yeah, uh, I think you just started. put the, the the new one out today, um, and it's tremendous. It's really really informative, and and uh, I recommend it for anybody because personally, I'm pretty well versed in the history of the paranormal, but not as deep. Like these are stories sort of from way back before the turn of the last century. It makes me feel old saying you have to <laughs> clarify that. This <laughs> yeah. is the turn of from the 1800s to the 1900s. Um, so these, my sort of frame of reference goes back maybe to like the, I don't know, when Charles Ford came along and then sort of like the 40s, 50s, 60s. Yeah, that's, that's sort of my frame of reference. So to yeah, me, this is really early, fresh early new information. Yeah. So talk about Paranormal Women, A Hidden History. It's the new YouTube channel. Tell us all about it and talk about some of these, uh, some of the pioneering women you profiled. Uh, the, uh, the one you did today, uh, Zora Neale Hurston. And some of the other folks you yeah. mentioned uh, in the introductory video. Yeah, so uh, in the introductory uh, video, we, we focused on about three, 
three different notables, and there's many more. I've, this is a, a presentation that I've given at, at a few different conferences now. And, uh, you know, people were really into it. So, you know, I decided, why not make a YouTube channel about it? I mean, I want to uh, – I want people to know the history of the paranormal. And, right. and of course, you know, men have made some amazing contributions in the field, but their work is generally pretty well known. And, you know, when I started learning about, you know, some of these women, I mean, they've really uh, made foundational contributions. And we still don't, we don't know their names at all. And so that's why it was important for me to, to go back, uh, because I think there have been women investigators out there. You know, I know people know about the Fox Six Sisters, and they know about, you know, other, like, psychics and, and mystics like uh, Madame Blavatsky and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah. you know, it, it seems that women are, to me, when I look at, you know, all the paranormal content that I've digested over the years, it seems like, you know, women have an accepted role, usually. Uh, you can be, like, a poltergeist agent, or you can be a crazy ghost or you can be a, this magnificent mystic medium or psychic, but are there any <laughs> yeah. female investigators? <laughs> and uh, yeah, there, there are. Uh, so the, fo- the first ghost hunter, uh, her name is Catherine Crow, and she wrote an amazing book uh, that you can read right now for free online. And I would suggest everybody do that, and I'm going to be making videos about her. Uh, because she is such a, a foundational uh, person in the creation of of the uh, paranormal and parapsychology fields. So she yeah. wrote a book called The Night Side of Nature, which, again, you can get uh, for free uh, online, or you can buy a copy on Amazon right now. I, I'm looking at a, a physical one. It's a uh, Colin Wilson, the Colin Wilson Library of the Paranormal. So it's it's a little bit older, but but Colin Wilson, uh, who was an amazing paranormal researcher and existentialist writer in England, um, you know he also recognized her and her contributions. So uh, the word poltergeist is a word that that we use all the time in the paranormal field, uh, and the word doppelganger is, is another uh, term that is quite popular. Now, those are both German terms, but they were brought into English language usage by Catherine Crow uh, in The Night Side of Nature. Now, Catherine Crow uh, was a writer uh, in the 1800s in England, and she she was a woman at a time when you couldn't even, like, own land or vote, and still, she was doing it for herself. She, uh, She... lived in England. She she was born in Kent and then she married an army officer. And then um, she left him uh, for, for reasons unknown and uh, escaped to Edinburgh and became a writer. Uh, She started out as a a novelist and actually wrote the first, uh, the first uh, modern detective story in 1841. Although the credit is uh, given to, uh, Edgar Poe, uh, Edgar Allan Poe, which I, who I really love as well, but uh, he came out with his magazine story um, months after uh, her story, uh, her novel, uh, Susan Ho- The Adventures of Susan Hopley, was uh, published 
uh, in January of 1841, and then he came out with his ma- uh, magazine story, Murders uh, at the Rue Morgue, uh, in April of that year. Uh, so oh, wow. many feel that he was influenced by her. But anyway, so she's writing fiction, and then um, she's reading a lot of material from, uh, from other European countries. Uh, and she reads widely. She reads German and French, and she starts oh, wow. to notice in in particular, and, and this is something I just another so soapbox moment that I think paranormal investigators should do more of is read the investigations of other cultures and and see what's going on there and use that to oh yeah absolutely you know our understanding. So that's what she was doing, you know, just as a writer reading this German information, and um, she was like, wow, I can't believe that all this amazing stuff is going on in Germany. There's all these physicians and, um, and scientists that are uncovering such, you know, monumental stuff about, you know, the hereafter, and I need to write a book about it. And that's where the, the book, The Night Side of Nature, came. So if you read, you read the book, it has ghosts in there, of course. It's got ghosts coming out of every end. But she also has uh, near-death experiences, um, and out-of-body experiences, and twin telepathy, and, you know, all these things that, that we think are, you know, maybe more modern manifestations. She was investigating them back then, and this book came out in 1848, and you'll be surprised when you pick it up how relevant it still is. And she was, she actually started going to seances uh, when the spiritualist movement began over in, in England, um, and she she was really lucky to uh, put out this book right before the spiritualist movement um, started started there. So she became kind of the it girl there for a while uh, because this book came out at exactly the right time. That's pretty amazing. The eighteen that yeah. See, it's funny because you you. I mean, I think about it. It's like I don't ever. I don't recall where all this stuff came from, so I didn't know it. So when I saw your thing about how she brought poltergeist and doppelganger over um to the english world it's like and then then learning it's like 1848 that's so that's really amazing um you almost don't think right. like was she like what was the extent of was she just sort of reading or was she going out to like investigate these she things was like what was that's a, what that's was her a deal really great question she was uh collecting accounts um, from yeah. all her friends and anyone that would send her information, but actually, um, in one of her other books, because uh, she has she has uh, you know many many novels, but um, she has um, three books that are you know paranormal and factual in nature: the Night Side of Nature, um, Ghost and Family Legends, which came out afterward uh, in 1858, I believe. Uh, and then also that same year, um, another book called Spiritualism and the Age We Live In, which is mainly a, a, a kind of a philosophical look at um, at the paranormal uh, and uh, the spiritualist movement. So, uh, but she, in 1854 in Edinburgh, uh, investigated a haunted house, and I think this is probably one of the first investigations of that nature. Uh, of of the model that we would recognize, you know, she took different notable people, a doctor, a clairvoyant, and huh. and they went to a house where a, uh, someone was murdered, 
and uh, they sat in there and recorded their experiences and tried to reach out to uh, what was whatever was ha- haunting the house. And and she had some uh, amazing experiences with um, with diamond shaped light lights that were rising out of the floor. And um, she had those experiences interestingly when she was actually um, she had her hand on on the clairvoyant shoulder and so some of what the the clairvoyant was seeing she started to be able to see so uh oh wow to me that that's really amazing that that account that you know in 1854 uh something of that level is being done and then uh you know 50 years later we would get um we would get you know Harry Houdini we would get um we would get the uh we would get the Society for Psychical Research and the American Society for Psychical Research, and she laid the groundwork for especially um, the those uh, psychical research societies. Um, yeah, she, they were using a lot of her techniques. So yes, she was interviewing witnesses. She was going out to locations whenever possible, um, and she was reading foreign literature and putting it together with accounts that are happening. Uh, closer to home and and she was bringing this all together uh, so it's an amazing book and you know we only have a short time but I, I just want to really encourage everybody to read that book because it's still uh, it still has insights in it that are, are so relevant today yeah it's tremendous it's very interesting the it's like the way you laid out what she was doing it's like she she sounds like a more she she sounds like a more focused and dedicated paranormal researcher than mo- most of the people in the field today, you know. Uh, <laughs> she, I guess that's what happens when you don't have to have a podcast, right? So she didn't have a a blog or anything. So she <laughs> she was actually researching. That's right. So that's pretty. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> that's that's it's a good really, insight. Podcasts do take a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but yeah, it's fascinating to think like that she. Uh, I mean, if she didn't come up with it, I mean, it's, it's certainly one of the earliest uh, sort of ideas where it's like you was, it's like it sounds like a textbook like what you'd see again, like on in this modern time, like what you'd see on basic cable. It's like she assembled a team of experts and went, went to the haunted location. That's like that's what you see every weekend on one of these paranormal shows, you know, on one of these uh, cable channels. So it's like, wow, that's yeah, just incredible yeah. that that was happening in 1854. And yet nobody knows anything about her it's it's like okay so let me just say uh earlier this summer there was a a a panel of women who were on those parent on the different paranormal shows and um so i i got the press information about that and then so i i you know it's a whole virtual thing but i got to take part and ask questions and and so uh, I asked, well, you know, what women in the paranormal inspired you? And sadly, the only person anybody knew to say was Lorraine Warren. And beyond that, they mentioned each other. So, but there's a much deeper history. And you know, people who you know did research that has tons of documentation that goes with it. Uh, and you know really tried to connect it to other cultures and you know to um the 
the uh, ancient Greeks and, you know, different things that were coming from antiquity. So try to put it all together to, to get a better, you know, more well-rounded uh, understanding. And, you know, that's what Catherine Kroll was all about. So, uh, I, you know, I could talk about her forever, but uh, we should give right, right. Um, these other people some time. Um, so uh, the other one that I have in the intro video is Alexandra David Neal. And and she's another person to bring out because uh, there's another word that you hear bandied about all the time, and it's tulpa, which is the idea of the thought form creature. Right. And uh, usually people don't reference Alexandra David Neal, who was uh, you know a woman. She was uh, born in 1868, and uh, interesting interestingly, she held on all the way to 1969. Uh, but back in back in like uh, the 1920s uh, and even before that, when she was even younger, uh, she was uh, even when she was a teenager, she was <laughs> running around, uh, uh, running away from home and trekking about Europe and India and other places, and then coming back when the money ran out. Uh, so she she <laughs> actually uh, is French and uh, she. Uh, was from France, but then the, the family moved to Belgium, and you know they're, they're a richer family. So so she used uh, her resources to investigate Eastern mysticism. This this is what consumed her. She was very interested in meditation and Buddhism, and so she would throughout her life travel all over Asia and live with Buddhist monks. And in doing that, she found out some really incredible paranormal uh, things. Uh, she saw the monks, uh, the monks actually demonstrating paranormal abilities. And she even tried her hand at some of these paranormal abilities as well. So this idea of the tulpa, which is this thought form creature, which again is a, the power of the mind to create an image and give it life and then uh, imbue it with the power to walk around by itself. And uh, in her own explorations, she uh, created a father tuck type character. And uh, she, she wanted to bring this, this jolly, uh, you know, happy presence into the world. And then, then uh, apparently he, he turned a, a little bit, uh, uh, evil and uh, started to take on a cruel streak in his independence and then she was forced to destroy him before anyone got hurt so uh, she talks about tulpas she, uh, she also talks about uh, telepathy and um, tumo which is the power to control your body heat uh, and even levitation and all these things are uh, talked about um, in one of her um, she has 30 books i think 35 is the number i came up with so she has about 35 books but the one you want to get to really focus in on the, the paranormal aspect is magic and mystery in tibet which was published in 1929 and oh, wow. uh, yeah yeah she she uh was amazing that she could be a woman traveling alone in asia uh into places where where you're not supposed to be able to go uh, in 1924, she snuck into the Tibetan city of, of Lhasa, which is off limits 
to Westerners at the time. And she variously disguised herself as a beggar and a monk and didn't carry much with her. Uh, she, she wanted to carry a camera or surveying equipment, but didn't do it because she was so afraid of being discovered. Uh, yeah. So she would only hide like, a compass, a pistol, and a purse of money under her under her rags, and you know wow. break into these different places. And she actually became uh, friends with the 13th Dalai Lama, um, who who was living in exile at the time in India. And oh wow! Actually, in support of her breaking into the city of of, of Lhasa in Tibet. And, and finding out what she could find out. Uh, so uh, it's amazing that she was able to do this. She also would um, disguise herself as the mother of, of a young llama. On one of her trips, she met um, she met a 14-year-old llama, and um, he he became taken with her, and uh, you know they were companions for 40 years. And she would pose as his mother to get into places. So she was already, you know, quite tanned because of her exposure to the elements trekking in the mountains as they were. And but then she would she would take yak hair and uh, blacken it um, and then use that to actually extend her own hair. So she had her own <laughs> <laughs> she could just cut oh, wow. out a fashion YouTube channel about yak hair <laughs> extensions. So <laughs> she would uh, disguise, you know, really go through these elaborate disguise procedures so that, she, you know, even though she was a European woman, she could pass as as this young llama's mother. So, wow. Man, she, uh, magic and mystery in Tibet, I'm, I'm just uh, starting to really crack into that now. I haven't read the whole thing yet. But uh, yeah. there, there's some amazing stories in there. Um, and, and I should bring out, too, you know, it's interesting, this idea of Tumo, um, Buddhist monks um, will, uh, as part of their training, uh, be put out into the cold and be doused with, with water, freezing water. You know, they're out in the snow already. They're doused with freezing water. And then, um, and then they put a... a, a And you know, even though it's freezing temperatures, they're able to heat up and dry that sheet. That's their test, and that's called tumo. And isn't it interesting that that somebody like uh, Wim Hof comes along, and he's able to bring this into, you know, Western understanding by, yeah, by yeah. actually demonstrating the process himself. So I lost you. you know, we lost you there for a minute. What are they? We, oh. You cut out for a moment. What do they put in the water? A sheet. So the Buddhist monks broke are up out right there. when you said, right when you said, right when you said, uh, they put and then like there was something. Then there was like dead air. Then it was like uh, in the water. Oh, so, uh, I'm sorry. I don't know what. <laughs> I couldn't wrap my mind around what the what the thing was. So I, for the people elsewhere who are listening, who are like, I don't, I have terrible OCD like that. So uh, you know, I, I'll, it would oh, haunt no, me to okay. my day. So, so what do they put in the water? So they put a sheet that is soaked in water uh, around the shoulders of Buddhist uh, monks that are out in the snow. So they're sitting on the snow meditating and freezing. Okay. And then they take a soaking wet sheet and put it around their shoulders. And the test 
uh, that they're undergoing is to use the power of the, the mind to activate something that they call TUMO to heat up and dry the sheet. Ah, so, okay. All right. Yes. So that's one of the things that she wrote about. But, you know, she also wrote about, you know, telepathy among the monks and, uh, and also perhaps – I haven't really gotten into this part, but she talks about how they deal with ghosts and demons. So I'm really excited to, to get to that chapter. Uh, and speaking of other women, besides Alexander David Neal, another one that I'm really into right now is Zora Neale Hurston. Uh, and right. she was active during the 1920s and 1930s. Now, you might know her name because she wrote a very famous novel called Their Eyes Were Watching God. So she was a novelist, but she also um, studied with Franz Boas, um, who was uh, known as the, the father of modern anthropology. And, and she studied to be an anthropologist as well. And then uh, in, in his service and in the service of others, um, she was able to explore her home of the rural south uh, and collect authentic southern folklore and she is she is an african you know she was an african-american woman woman so you can imagine how hard it was to be a woman in the 1920s and 1930s how hard was it to be an african-american woman at that time but she she uh she refused to accept limitations and just pushed the envelope whenever she could and she actually, uh, as I said, started in the rural South investigating uh, and just collecting folklore from her friends and neighbors in her home of Eatonville, Florida, but then moved on and for some reason uh, got this fascination in hoodoo and voodoo and actually ended up uh, in the 20s at, at the end of her book, Mules and Men, uh, she goes to New Orleans to study voodoo practices uh, from uh, one of the former students and relatives of voodoo queen Marie Laveau. And I, I was really surprised when I was reading the book because it was very funny, uh, just very folkloric, and then it, it very much changes and, and uh, goes right into the paranormal aspect of voodoo and her experiences in New Orleans. And then after yeah. that, she was able to get a, a Guggenheim fellowship to visit uh, to visit uh, Haiti and Jamaica, and to investigate voodoo there in their cultures. And she wrote this book called "Tell My Horse," and this has so many amazing paranormal stories in it. Uh, one of her firsts was that she was the first to photograph a zombie. Uh, in Haitian voodoo, there is an authentic process of creating a zombie, and she yeah, you can, met and one and just for the listeners, her. just yes. yeah, just for I, I heard that part of the story and uh, before the show, so I want to recommend to the folks that you can Google her name and zombie picture, and you'll see the zombie. You know, I can't. It's a radio show, so <laughs> I can't. I can't show yes. you the picture, but Zora Neale Hurston. Uh, Google that. Uh, N-E-A-L-E, so Zora Neale Hurston, and Google zombie photograph, and you'll see 
uh, what Allison's going to talk about. Go, go ahead, because I, I was going to bring that part up, and because uh, I, 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 you know, I'm looking at the picture right now. I googled it while while you were telling the story, but go on. So, uh, so folks who want to right. see that, that's what you want to. It's You're online. To nose around and to, uh, you know, she was collecting folklore there, and she was also becoming in, initiated into voodoo in um, the the Haitian tradition. She had already been uh, initiated by several uh, two-headed doctors, as they're called in New Orleans, um, and then she came to Haiti um, to be. Uh, initiated into their rites of voodoo. So so she wasn't only investigating, uh, but she also was a practitioner. But she's interesting because she she is skeptical. I mean, sometimes she'll say, well, you know, maybe we can explain this by such and such. But, uh, and and for uh, the creation of zombies, that, that's a really good example of that because she's like, these are not the returned dead. This woman I met was a woman who... Uh, was dosed with some drug back in, in uh, 1907, and everyone thought she was dead. And then you get buried, and then the Bokur, the, the evil voodoo priest, retrieves you from the cemetery, and you are sold into servitude uh, because your uh, language center and your memory center has been destroyed by the drug. And now, right. you know, all you can do is perform menial labor, and you can't really help yourself. Uh, but then uh, 29 years later, she would be discovered wandering along a road, uh, and she was able to be identified um, as this this woman, um, Felicia Felix's mentor. And uh, so that, that case was documented. And it's just amazing that I knew nothing about that case or the other cases yeah. that she mentions in the book. Um, and and if I can just tell one more story about her. Yeah, um, I was gonna say, Allison, we can we can we don't have necessarily a hard out, so we can go a little over the hour. If you have time, I have time, so you don't have to. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah you don't have to. I, I have a few more questions about the ghost walks and COVID and how that's affected. So we I will ask you that oh. after we get over the hour or whatever. But uh, I was gonna ask okay. you anyway when we got. To, so don't you don't have to think. You know you don't have to. Uh, you know, you know, unless you gotta go somewhere, you don't have to start packing your bags. Nope. Just, uh, just yeah, just, just yeah. So I'll just give you a heads up. <laughs> okay, I'm all good. All right, so, go on. Uh, I one of the most fascinating stories in this book, "Tell Tell My Horse," uh, deals with um, Jamaica. There's a, a settlement um, called um, Arkampong. I'm probably slaughtering that word. I I appreciate I. Uh, apologize to all the Jamaicans out there, but I'm just trying to bring it out there, and you can correct me later. So there's this Maroon settlement, and Maroons were uh, were slaves from West Africa that were brought to, to Jamaica back in the 1600s, and um, that's when Spain uh, was ruling over Jamaica. But they were able to escape, and... Then they escaped into the interior of uh, Jamaica, which is very mountainous and remote. So uh, they were able to pair up with the, the native ta- Taino people, which are the, the, the people that, uh, when you think of Christopher Columbus, uh, he's, he's supposed to have slaughtered all those people. But there are some remnants, uh, there are some remnants still out there. And, and some of them became part of this maroon society. Uh, as it's called, of these escaped slaves. 
So they got together with the, the Taino people, and they developed this stronghold called um, Arcampong. And then the, the Spanish weren't able to get to them, and then later the British took over. They weren't able to get to them. So before, um, before the American Revolution in 1776, I think it was around 18 – no, I'm sorry, 1739, uh, that uh, the British finally made a peace treaty with, uh, with these uh, escaped slaves. So anyway, they have their own culture, um, and you know, part of it is from West Africa. Part of it is um, from the native people, the uh, native Taino people. And uh, so she she wanted to learn about them because you know they had been you know the oldest uh, society and still are the oldest society of uh, of slaves living free. And so she couldn't pass up the uh, the opportunity to. Uh, go to their settlement and learn about their culture. And in doing so, she met uh, one of their traditional doctors. And uh, she talks about uh, being out on the porch with him discussing different herbal remedies. And she was having a hard time hearing them because there were so many uh, frogs in the jungle that were chirping up a storm. And she made a comment about the frogs. You know, could somebody please stop the frogs? Because I want to hear like, <laughs> all the amazing things you're saying. And he said, well, I can. And she's like, no, come on. And so he stands up, take a, takes a deep breath, holds his hand out, and they stop. Oh, wow. <laughs> and then she's dumbfounded. So, so they sit and they talk for like another hour or so. And then he said, well, I'm going to start them up again. But and uh, you know I'm gonna walk down the path and I'll walk past this this house and I'm gonna make a whistle sound and and you'll know that I've told them it's it's okay um, to to start again when you hear that whistle sound. So he went about and did this. He walked down the path, made a whistle, and all the the frog orchestra started up again throughout the wow, throughout the jungle. <laughs> So she has That's really weird. Like stories in there that are just like, oh my god. So there are things where she thinks, you know, she might have been duped, and she says, well, I'm not sure how they did that. You know, there's uh, one story uh, from um, from Haiti where um, she is at the funeral of um, a Hongan, which is uh, another uh, voodoo priest, but it's not. Uh, it's a, a um, more of a Jedi, not the Sith. Like the like when, when you think of <laughs> when you think of uh, the Bokor, think of the Sith, the dark side. And um, yeah. so this this uh, priest was, you know, on, on more of on a positive side, and you know, on the side of light. And so, he, but he died, and so she went to his funeral. And uh, so, as part of the funeral, they believe you have. Aloha, which is um, a godlike spirit uh, that uh, is revered, um, and you you have de- your devotion. You devote yourself to specific loa, which which are like the like gods with a small g, let's say. And yeah. uh, when you become a voodoo priest, you get one of these in your head, and oh, so God. after you die, they have to remove. The, the spirit of the loa from your head. So guy's dead. He he's laying there in front of this you know group uh, of the ceremonial group, and um, 
suddenly he sits up and says something and lays back down with his dead eyes. And she's like, I don't know how they did that. She she didn't know how to describe it. You know, she, yeah. she didn't know what kind of mechanism. But, you know, she's open to the idea that maybe, you know, even though she's a voodoo practitioner herself, you know, maybe that was hoax. She doesn't know. But she, right. that's the thing I like about her is she just lays it on the line. She tells you this is my experience. And if she can right. she can explain it, she explains it. But uh, if she can't, she doesn't try to explain it away. Or she doesn't try right. to um you know, preach to you about anything. She's like, this is what happened, and I'm just going to give you the straight talk. And I'm not trying to sell any narrative except that I want to get out the authentic story of these people and their culture. And that's what I'm all about. So, But it's amazing how many paranormal stories uh, are in this book. So, so I just want to tell everybody, please read Tell My Horse, and they probably also like um, Mules and Men. Okay. Um, all right. Well, we're about to lose the live audience, so uh, we'll say good night to uh, Sasquara all the way down in Australia. She's a regular Friday night listener. Uh, I don't know what time it is in Australia. She'll tell me later, I'm sure. But uh, big ups to her. She's a consistent Friday night listener who tunes in, uh, all, again, all the way down in Australia. And Jim Vujovic, a little closer to home down there in Florida, uh, also in the chat room tonight. So thanks to those guys for listening. I'm sure I know for a fact we had tons of other uh, folks listening because uh, it was a nice little buzz about the program uh, as it was unfolding tonight on Twitter. Um, so big thanks to all those folks. Um, now, uh, I guess we'll sort of do the plugs here, and then we'll – if you don't mind, i got like maybe like 10 minutes worth of questions for you or something like that. Yeah, so uh, you got, you got a little bit of time. All right, cool. Yeah, I'm um, glad to talk to you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Oh, no problem. As you can probably tell by now, I'm a straight shooter, so I don't <laughs> you know. I, like uh, that. I don't I don't I don't play any games. So we're still we're still uh obviously we're still recording. Uh no one else can hear us now, so they cut off all the live listeners cuz Blog Talk is uh, a terrible terrible website. But um <laughs> I'm nearing my <laughs> okay. end of my my time with Blog Talk. Now, do you two sort of inside baseball questions in a plug sense um like, uh, do you have a hub? Where can I direct people to? Like, there's no, you don't, you should get AllisonJordan.com to, uh, so people can find all these different I, I, avenues you have. Yeah, but do you have a you hub that we can send I, people I, to? I, I do, I do have the URL. So you're right. I need a website. I got a lot of work to do, too. But, uh, you know, right now you can go to uh, youtube.com slash mothman. And, uh, you know, soon I'll be getting, uh, a custom URL for paranormal women, uh, a hidden history, yeah. but you can search that right now. Uh, you can also go to American ghost uh, and see the different ghost swaps that we have. Uh, and, and then you can talk to me anytime, uh, actually on Twitter, uh, at a Jornlin, a J O R N. Um, so, uh, A-J-O-R-N-L-I-N. I can't spell my own name. I was wondering about that, yeah. I was wondering about that. I was like, you had me there for a minute. I was kind of scratching my head. I'm like, oh, she only did half her last name. We're like, what, what was that all about? I know. Oh, it's You're very prolific on Facebook as well, so folks can find you on Facebook. Yeah, you post all the time. Uh I was, uh, yeah, we, we just, like, again, we just connected recently uh, at the start of the summer, so, um, yeah, it was very, uh, I, 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 you, I can, I can, I have a hard time keeping up with your <laughs> Twitter, your Facebook <laughs> post, so, 
you put a lot of stuff up there. I like that. Um, and the other question is sort of the uh, the other inside baseball question plug sort of thing is have uh, I joked about this with Chris Cogswell uh, from the Mad Scientist podcast earlier in the summer where it's like everyone gets on my case. I've been in this field for like twenty years, so um, yet they still get on my case. Like, when are you gonna write a book? You gotta write a book to be yeah. to be to be a real paranormalist. It's like I'm already. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy. I'm content with where I'm at. Thank you very much. Um, so I, it's never been. It's never. I've never had a, a a drive inside me to write a book for any sort of validation reason. But um, but have you? I'm sure. And so I guess the point of that was like I'm sure people kind of give you a little bit of grief about it. I'll give you a little bit of grief right now because yeah. I think <laughs> this story that we talked about here in the first 90 minutes. This th- that could be a, a movie. Like that could be a real. Like a Hollywood movie, like like a well-meaning a, a well-meaning paranormal researcher looks into this <laughs> crazy story and finds and out it's all a bunch of hooey and and then yeah and ask too many questions and then all of a sudden all hell breaks loose like that could be a Coen Brothers movie that that to me you I would love you to write a book I would love to hear that story told in a book. Like it wouldn't even it would be like it, it would be more I don't know what you'd call it like true crime or something or or more like this like mm. it's not even about the Mothman the Mothman's like the the red herring of the story the story is like right, right. how this all unfolded I I would love 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 yeah. to see that uh, that story told in a book but you know have you thought about putting together a book about anything um, you know because uh, yeah, there's always pressure on everybody to write a book these days I I am. Um writing a book about one of these era women <laughs> and maybe I'll do a book about more of them. So I do have a contract in hand for that. Um and so I, I know I, I'm behind I I'm I'm behind in everything too. But uh, I've been writing a lot of tour scripts. Uh but you know I I'm almost at the point where where I can uh, really get that book done. So um it is close. So I, I am working on a book, and as far as writing a book on the Chicago Mothman thing, um, I I really resisted that, uh, but, you know, somebody on, on Twitter uh, was encouraging me, you know, you really got to set the record straight. You know, right, there's, exactly, there's yeah. so many important things to say about paranormal investigation and what happened here. And, you know, I, I know we talked about it for 90 minutes, uh, it's kind of fresh in my mind now, um, but <laughs> it is something that I'm pretty sick of. But you know, when he said, when he said, you know, you kind of owe it to us to to, to write that, then, then I was like, all right. <laughs> um, and right, maybe, right. You know, I don't want to be accused of cashing in either. I mean, I, I, I just, uh, you know, maybe if I could get a publisher who would, you know, publish it, but then also let me give it away to some people for free something like that, because I, I, you know, I just feel bad that it's, it's turned into this big money-making thing, um, and I don't... Right, right, but I your story, to, to me, it's like, I, you know, I'm just one person, but I, I give you a pass on that. You're not like, you're, you're, like, this happens, like, something happens to you, like, you're, this is your experience, so I think that that's, you know, I don't see that as cashing in on anything. I think that's like sharing your story about what happened here, because like I said, it, it, it reads like it reads that. I think that's why I was kind of so engrossed in this at the beginning of the show tonight. And we kept it going for so long. Cause to me, it's just like reads like 
like a Hollywood movie. It's like, what? Wait a minute. So a bunch of people said they saw a Mothman, and this woman went to investigate and found out that it wasn't true, and now, like, she's – now they're now they're like being assholes to her. Like this is this is so yeah. This is so the world of the paranormal and so like fascinating human nature to me. Um, yeah, like I said, it could be a movie. End up like a Cohen a Cohen Brothers movie. I've seen those movies. I hope. Let's let's see. You'd be the good guy in the movie, though. You'd be the good guy. Yes, until until I end up in the wood chipper. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Nothing we could do. So yeah. So one last thing. I'm I'm open to it. I'm open to writing something. Yeah. I I would. I would definitely. uh, Yeah. Yeah, you guys are starting to to convince me that you know maybe I I should. You yeah, know, put I a, think put it's a, a fascinating story. It's not even, like I said, you wouldn't even be cashing in on, I would have no compunction that you were, like, cashing in on, it's not even about Mothman. It's about, like, what happens when, what happens when you take a closer look at a story and it turns out it's not all it's chalked up to be. It's, to me, that's, that's yeah. a fascinating angle on this. And maybe, you know, if I were put it in context of other people that that, ha- that has happened to, you know, historically, you know, and maybe disinformation or fake news. You know, tie that yeah. in to, to like a Absolutely. greater cultural kind of problem that we're dealing with today. Absolutely. Right. The other uh, thing I, I'm thinking, I'm if you have, if you, you know, it, maybe, yeah, it would be awesome. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you have any doubts, let, let, you know, let me know later. I'll just cheer you on and tell you what a great idea it is. So, um, <laughs> when, well, thank if you, you have a list. It. Of of women for the YouTube channel, I would recommend uh, at, if you haven't already, add uh, Ann Druffle to the list. Uh, she passed away oh. earlier this year. Ann Druffle was uh, was tremendous. We had her on the show uh, a long, long time ago. Um, she wrote a really groundbreaking book with D. Scott Rogo about uh, the the Tahunga Canyon abductions, and it was just a tremendous, tremendous book. And uh, you know, another person, and even though it's kind of in our modern era, uh, a lot of old timers, no, no, okay. like like my that's buddy John okay. Tenney, uh, you know, remembered uh, remembered Ann Druffle, but it's like some of these, you know, you like, you know, hashtag UFO Twitter wasn't wasn't mentioned, you know, this wasn't a topic of conversation among them. So it's like uh, a lot of people get right. forgotten to history, and and she was somebody that uh, put a lot of good work out there, and and deserves to be remembered absolutely. So. And, and I, um, I'm, I'm glad that you had a suggestion because I really welcome. I open that up to people uh, because I'd like to learn more. I mean, I'm just really surprised about how many, you know, there's many more than I mentioned tonight. I just felt like I could get three in really oh, yeah, absolutely. justice. Um, but, you know, there's many more, and I'd love to invite people to uh, hit me up on Twitter. Let me spell it again because I screwed up my own name the first time. So it's A. Jornlin. That's A O. No. What is going on here? I can't spell my name. I I am I'm sabotaging myself. So it's A. Jornlin. A J O R N L I N. There you go. So check That's me like out. That's like 200 points on, on the Twitter. SAT. <laughs> but on you remember that old like rumor when we were kids, where it's like if you spell your name right, they already give you 200 points. I don't even know if that was ever true, but that's all they ever. That was like that was like the urban legend in, in, in high school. 
um, get 200 points because I can't spell my name. <laughs> I know, I know. So uh, I skipped over because you talk a lot about the Ghost Walk stuff um, in, in, in your bio part, and we spent so much time on the yeah. Mothman um, stuff, and so then we jumped right to the Paranormal Women YouTube channel. But I did want to ask you, like, how how is this? I assume this coronavirus thing has really had an impact on on ghost tours and stuff like that, right? Because that's really, yeah, uh, you know, it's kind of antithetical to like social distancing and and uh, and all the all the stuff we're, we're enduring right now. It's had an impact on all tourism, and it's really sad. Like you know, because of um, you know, right before it hit, I was in Maui, um, in Lahaina. And then, you know, right after I got back, you know, everything, like, clamped down. And now, you know, my Google keeps serving up to me uh, information about what's going on there. And we we do have a, a tour that's running uh, at really small capacity. We're talking yeah. groups of two to six people. You know, it's re- we're keeping it really small so we can really social distance and, and do everything right. But, you know, it's really important to tell those stories and, and not, not just let them be forgotten. So um, that's one of the reasons that we do what we do. But, um, yeah, it's scary to see, you know, all these articles coming through about businesses closing for good because they just, yeah. you know, they just can't afford to stay in business um, without any tourists. So, you know, that, that's been really startling. You know, we, we have two tours running this year in Milwaukee, so it's been really good for us in Milwaukee. You know, we, we follow all the, the recommended practices and even go beyond that, um, you know, limiting our tours to very small groups. Uh, but, you know, we, are, we ha- have been able to have some tours. You know, we had big plans this year um, for a lot of tours that we wanted to add, and, you know, that's certainly been scaled back. But, you know, this won't be going on forever you know we'll get back to right it. right uh you know and we we still we still have tours tours going uh in in diminished capacity but you know we're still telling the story and uh you know that's another thing too i wanted to address you know i think it's important to have tours like this to give people a forum for their stories and also uh to tell about forgotten history um and tell about this I tell about the paranormal as well because I think that's that's really something that if maybe people don't admit it, uh, but it, wondering about the hereafter is a big part of human life. So yeah. I, I think that's the reason why these kind of tours have been very successful. But you do feel pressure uh, of you know people wanting to meeting walls. You know I'm like hey. I just tell it like it is. I'm not going to add bleeding walls. If there were bleeding walls, I would tell you. But, you know, it's like people <laughs> yeah. sometimes expect kind of that Hollywood schlock. Uh, and it's not a haunted house. It's it's haunted history is what it is. And we're telling right, right. all the old stories of the people of that, that area and bringing them back uh, so that they're not forgotten. And you get a lot of history of people that lived and died and, you know, what, what their contributions were along with, you know, their paranormal connections. Because everybody has one. Everybody has had paranormal experiences. So um, it, it's not, not easy to write one of these scripts because you really got to dig deep, connect things, and, and look at a lot of old newspaper articles, talk to a lot of witnesses, right, um, right. whatever you can get. 
uh, to put one of these together. But, you know, I think after you do, it really enriches the area. And that's what we've been able to do for Milwaukee. Now there's a bunch of haunted tours. Um, you know, we were the first, and now, you know, there's, there's a bunch of people, which is okay, because that's what I wanted. I wanted that kind of uh, tourism to be in Milwaukee, because when I went on the tours in New Orleans and Chicago, I was like, oh, come on, I live in Milwaukee. Doesn't Milwaukee have any cool stories? Is it just all brats and brewers and bucks? <laughs> I mean, why? So, so I was really happy to find that there was something something in the community for me and for others like yeah and yeah so that's that's why i i started it and a comment i've gotten from people um, who go on these tours is is when they tell me they take a tour and they're like oh my god allison i see the city in a whole new light there's people like who live have lived in maui all their lives and they take that tour and they tell the guide I've lived here all my life. I never heard any of these stories, you know. So to be able to bring those things back uh, is important. And and sometimes there's sacred sites on on the tours as well. Uh, There's one in uh, in in Maui uh, that was hugely important um, spiritually and politically to to the um, Hawaiian monarchy and the Lihi before that, and. and it's it's a it's a vacant lot now, pretty much, you know, and yeah. that parking lot. Oh wow, that's awesome. And you know, so so it's like we need to <laughs> keep those things going, you know, and absolutely and keep these things alive, at least in people's minds, because once you get it in their minds, then you can start getting it back out in the world. But first, it has to be rested in their minds. And yeah, yeah, that, that's uh, what, like that. I mean, goes luck. This will sound kind of cynical, but it's true because I've experienced it myself uh, in these difficult times. Uh, I have – I hate to say it, and my heart goes out to everybody who's been impacted by this pandemic, so I don't want anyone to think I'm making light of this. But I have had, like, the best summer that I've had in years because I can't go anywhere. And so here in Massachusetts, things are really pretty well opened up because we suffered through – a terrible wave of the pandemic in the spring and everybody followed the rules and now we can uh, go to restaurants and go to museums and do things that a lot of places can't. And so all summer I've been visiting all kinds of fantastic places here in New England or Massachusetts alone. I haven't even really ventured out of the state and gone to the Lizzie Borden house, gone to the sure. pirate museum on the Cape, gone to uh, Plymouth rock, gone to various zoos, even zoos. I guess the, I guess the cynical part is going to say, if you have any opportunity to advertise these events that you do, um, that would kind of be my, my hook, because what I really enjoyed in a lot of ways about this was like a lot of these things I did, it, you, weren't crammed in, you weren't crammed in with a lot of tourists. Like, to the people listening, wherever you are, like, now's the time to go to the attraction in your area because you're going to be able to breathe, and as, as, as oxymoron as that sounds, because you'll be wearing a mask, you'll be able to you'll be able to move around. You'll you, you, you'll be one of six people instead of one of sixteen. Like to right. me, that was that to me has been this overarching theme for me this summer. Going to these different places, it's like I went to Plymouth Rock and Plymouth Plantation, and I was I was the only one there. 
I was the only one right. there at Plymouth, at Plymouth Plantation, which is like a giant, a pretty, a pretty popular tourist destination. If it was any other summer, I'm sure there would be at least 20 other people there alongside me. But I was literally the only person at Plymouth Plantation. It was unbelievable. And it was like, like that at a lot of these other places where it was I, – I did a Lizzie Borden house tour of six people, six people. Yeah. And it's like, this is awesome. <laughs> this is so cool. So I guess right. look on the bright side of life. If you're, if you're if, wherever you are locally, folks, uh, now's the time to go to, if you're down in Nashville, I talked about this with Kiki Dombrowski. If you're down in Nashville, go see the Bell Witch Cave. I bet you you'll be one of only like, only like 10 people there that day. Or, or right. uh, go to the Abita Mystery House down in New Orleans. Um, go to these places now. now. They need your help anyway, and now's the best time to go if you want to be able to really, really get the chance to spend time at these places and not be shoved aside by other tourists and stuff like that. So, And that's, I yeah. guess, what I would say. I mean, you probably don't need any help going into Halloween season with a, with a ghost tour company. But even still, that would be kind of the way I'd present this to people like, if you've ever wanted to do a ghost tour and you weren't sure, like now's the time to do it because chances are you're going to be in a much more intimate group and really be able to yeah. experience this in a way you probably won't ever really be able to experience it again. That's that's really looking at the bright side of things. And, you know, there is a bright side. You know, so you have to live through this anyway, you know. So if, if we have to yeah. live through it, let's go forward in the most positive way we can. And that's, that's one of the positive things. And also, uh, if you have to stay home, reading books. So these, uh, all, all three of these books, you know, I've, I've found, uh, you know, like uh, tell, tell My Horse, I found a free PDF. I bought the book too, but Nightside of Nature, you can get everywhere. Uh, and, um uh, and Alexandra David Neal, uh, Magic and Mystery in Tibet. I, I found a PDF today. So I, there's there's a lot of great literature out there that you could be reading, and it could be expanding your horizons because all these three women that we mentioned tonight were were uh, phenomenal travelers. And even even right. though um, you you can't do that traveling, you can travel vicariously through them. And, and see yes. it through their eyes, and uh, so it, it's a great time to do that too. Uh, so there are positive things about every time in history, and um, so let's go forward and try to find some more for uh, 2020. There you go. All right, that's the perfect note to uh, end the program on. Uh, I feel like I could talk to you for like another two hours, Allison, but uh, we've gone long oh, enough, thank and you uh, so much. I, I, it'll it'll happen again, I'm sure, because I really, really, really enjoyed this conversation. Um, uh, yeah. I guess we're, I I, we we went over this before, but <laughs> what's that? I, I I'm sorry. I, anytime you want to talk about ghost stories from our different tours, uh, the different communities uh, where we have our tours, you know that that would be a great idea for a future show as well because there's lots of Absolutely, great stories yeah. from we're... many different communities. Absolutely, I feel like we have a lot more to talk about. Uh, so on that note, though, we will call it a night tonight. Um, I guess we talked about the hub thing earlier. So I guess 40 and I'm looking at 40 and writer, facebook.com 40 and writer. That might be the best place for folks to go. Cause people are still on Facebook. I'm not a big oh, Facebook right. fan, but, uh, yeah. So, Self-promoted. yeah, <laughs> I'm terrible. Uh, at face- I can't even spell my own name and I forgot I have 
Facebook.com slash Fordian Writer. There you go. That's perfect. I don't know what you're. I don't know what kind of black magic you're working over there, but you are fantastic at at, at locking down URLs. When you said you, but you, what do you have? YouTube.com slash Mothman. It's like holy shit. Like how the, how did you get well, that? What were you, what were you like the first person on YouTube? Sometimes sometimes I do all right, but other times I can't spell my own name. So you know we all work with what we've got. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. So yeah, so there you go. I even did the plug there for the uh for the YouTube channel, YouTube dot com slash you so Mothman and uh A Jornlin A J O R N L I N. I'm looking at it on my computer right now, so I'm cheating. Yay! Uh that that's the Twitter address. Allison, I can't thank you enough. I really love this conversation and uh I'm sure we'll be talking again sometime in the future. Thanks again. Oh, me too. Thank you so much. All right, folks, there you go. That was Allison Jornlin uh, talking about her adventures investigating the Mothman, the Chicago Mothman, which, we, as we established here, is not the uh, the the real Mothman. Uh, I don't think they're ever going to change it now. It's like the it's like that it's like the mangy dog down in Texas. It's not the chupacabra, but they call it the chupacabra. It drives me up the wall. Um, we just gave all the websites. You should be able to find her stuff pretty easily. Uh, I hope she writes some books about uh, her adventures and all this and her fantastic research into these pioneering women in the paranormal. Um, next week on the program, I kind of teased this at the start of the show. We're really close now to the end of the summer. Uh, so at some point, the summer of strangeness has to come to an end. Um, I mean, there's a chance that it will be next week. Uh, I just called up, I just pulled up the calendar for September today. I've been a little out of sorts all week uh, with work, so I've kind of like had no, we have no plans uh, for September, except the final Friday in September, which is when I will be uh, presenting at the Strange Realities Conference. It's online this year, uh, and and as a special, as a special favor to me and the Banal of America listeners, I have secured – I'm going to just spoil it because I don't think Adam Sane is going to change it now. I've secured the 9 p.m. Eastern time slot on Friday night uh, on the Strange Realities Conference. So if you're a regular Banal of America listener and you want to hear me that night, I'm not going to be on that night because I'm going to be presenting at that very time uh, for the Strange Realities Conference. I'm going to be talking about uh, my adventure – uh, down in Dallas last year, um, it's a sequel, essentially, folks. Last year at the Strange Realities Conference on site in Nashville, one of the best weekends I've had in quite some time, I presented on the history of the flat earth theory, where this crazy theory come from, how did it evolve over the years, and how do we get to where we are today. And at the conference, I announced, I had a big announcement, and that was, this was last October, that uh, the following month, I was going to be uh, attending the International Flat Earth Conference in Dallas so I could, like Allison, put some boots on the ground and find out who these people are, how they get into this. Because um, uh, everybody talks about the Flat Earthers, but who, who, who are the Flat Earthers? That's what I wanted to know. So fast forward to uh, the last weekend here in September I'm going to be talking about that experience. Uh, my, I, I, <laughs> in true flat Earth form, I can't call it a weekend with the flat Earthers because 
uh, unlike any paranormal conference I've ever attended in my life, this one went from Wednesday to Friday. So it was like, it was like the, I spent the end of the week with the Flat Earthers and really spent some time with them, folks. Uh, I really endeared myself to them, I think, just by the sheer amount of time I spent with the Flat Earthers. I mean, I hit the ground running and spent 36 hours just hanging out with Flat Earthers the whole weekend. Not like the local news station who comes down and films for two hours and then gets the hell out of there. I mean, I was eating meals with the Flat Earthers. I was uh, drinking a lot of beers with the Flat Earthers and and just having a good time and finding out who they are and how they got into all this. And so I'm synthesizing all of that uh, at the end of the month of September with my presentation at the Strange Realities Conference titled Among the Flat Earthers, Recollections of my trip to Dallas for uh, the International Flat Earth Conference. So that will be at the end of September, 9 p.m., via the Strange Realities Conference, strangerealitiesconference.com. That's where you can get tickets. And you're going to be sick of hearing about this because next week on the program, we're going to have the guys who are putting on the big conference, Adam Sane and Sir Phil Stevenson of Conspiranormal, the podcast. Uh, they were so gracious, so wonderful, had me down in Dallas, uh, not, excuse me, had me down in Nashville last year, and I had a, such a good time. I had two, I had, anyone who knows Benal here knows, uh, I had too much fun down in Nashville, but it was absolutely worth it, um, and I would love to go again, and I was a little heartbroken, I was very heartbroken, that uh, because of COVID, we could not convene in uh, Nashville this year, but we're doing it online, and that uh, opens up concept to a whole, and we'll talk about this next week on the program, opens up the concept to a whole another level. Because when you're putting on a conference, you really you have a budget. You can only bring so many people in. You've got to fly them in. You've got to put them up in a hotel. You've got to pay for their meals. You've got to pay them if you can, um, even if it's a modest stipend. Each speaker costs uh, a, a decent chunk of money when you put all that together. When you're putting together an online event, the sky's the limit, really, and you can do so much more. So they, they, to their credit, they have expanded their horizons uh, with this online Strange Realities Conference, and it's going to be a real barn burner. There are a lot of really, really good researchers and good friends of mine who are going to be presenting uh, over the course of that final weekend in September. So we're going to talk about all that next week. Adam Sane, Sir Phil Stevenson from the Conspiranormal Podcast. Uh, I'm going to try... And I, I, I can hear kind of the groaning now. I'm going to really try. I, I'm not going to turn. We don't want this to be like an infomercial. It's not going to be like a two-hour um, promotional thing <laughs> to present the Strange Realities Conference. So if anyone's listening right now and they're like, "Oh, but all what the fuck? You're just going to you're just going to get these guys on and plug this stupid thing for two hours." No, we're not going to do that. We're going to we're going to talk about the paranormal. We're going to talk about. Um, you know, whatever the hell we want to talk about, really, but it's not going to be a long infomercial, I can assure you of that. Um, so definitely uh, you're going to want to tune in. That's next week. I believe that's September 4th. I always have a hard time with the change of the month. I never know uh, what the corresponding following week is, but I believe it's the 4th. Yeah, it's the 4th. <laughs> September 4th, 9 p.m. Eastern, uh, you know, right here at Banal of America. Uh, yeah, Adam Sane, Sir Phil Stevenson from Conspiranormal, talking about the Strange Realities Conference. Uh, if you like raucous episodes, 
I tuned into that one. I'll probably have to crack a beer open like within the first like ten minutes of that show. So God knows where we'll be at the end of the two hours. But I, I, I think you'll I think you'll enjoy it, and I think we'll have a lot of fun because uh, Adam and Sir Feel are great guys, and I'm looking forward to really uh, cutting loose with them and talking about uh, this crazy world of paranormal. What's going on in the world right now? Uh, things are crazy right now in general. So we'll get into all that and the challenges and the uh, upsides of uh, putting on an event like this uh, during these weird times. So, with all that said, I'm going to wish you all uh, adieu for the evening. I hope you all have a fantastic weekend. And uh, thank you very much for listening. Until the next edition of VOA Audio, next week, September 4th, 2020 at 9 p.m. This is Tim and all. Thanking you for listening. 